Thanks, Ajira. Without uh, a waste of time, uh, good evening, honorable members, the department, uh, as well as uh, the entities under the leadership of their boards uh, and executives that are on the platform, our guests, fellow South Africans who are following the deliberations of this committee uh, from different platforms. I'm now going to take uh, the opportunity of just dispensing with the formalities for the smooth running of the meeting. Honorable members, as well as our guests, you are once more reminded that uh, this meeting is taking place on a virtual platform and therefore the rules uh, for virtual meetings would apply. You are reminded that all the participants in the platform, which is honorable members in our case, please ensure that your mics are muted uh, at all times, your video camera is switched off. Uh, if you are not recognized to speak um, at the time. But once you are recognized to speak by the chairperson of the meeting, would request all those that uh, would be recognized to unmute their mic and as well as switch uh, on their video cameras. Uh, this would help uh, also the viewers home to follow the discussions, knowingly also who is uh, uh, the speaker at the time. Please do indicate in cases where you are experiencing uh, connectivity problems uh, that you are experiencing that and maybe the video would be affecting your bandwidth. Uh, we'll then be able to grant you permission to switch uh, off your video camera and you can then proceed uh, to speak. Uh, but at all times, let's try as far as it's possible that we keep our mics uh, uh, unmuted when we speak, as well as the video cameras, because the spitting is also uh, live uh, in the parliamentary channel. Uh, on a lighter note, we, we saw that yesterday with those that experienced uh, connection problems, uh, that sometimes the faces that would be shown to the name uh, would not be the same uh, person. And I think that struggle will be because uh, of uh, identification that may be a problem. So please let's adhere to that. This would also apply to point of orders uh, at different times when members would want to raise that. Uh, that you will raise your hand on the platform, will be recognized, and you'll only unmute your mic at the time you are recognized by the chairperson uh, so that that order could be listened to and ruled upon. Uh, with that, honorable members, uh, surely it will keep uh, our meeting in order. Please do take note uh, that there may be times when uh, you lose network, given, as I said, connectivity problems. Whenever you join the meeting, just ensure that your mic is muted 
so that your background sounds do not uh, interfere with the meeting, as well as uh, your video camera uh, being switched off just to avoid uh, bringing content that may not be uh, appropriate for this type of a meeting. Um, <clears throat> having dispensed with that uh, for purposes of officially opening the meeting, just to confirm quorum as well as uh, apologies that may have been received uh, for purposes of record. And I'll then proceed from there and give guidance to the meeting on how we proceed. May I just check with the committee support, Jura? Evening, Chairperson. We have an apology for the Deputy Minister who's on a flight to Free State. And then we have an apology for the late arrival of the Minister who's also on a flight. She should join us shortly. Thank you. Um, thank you, Ajira. Uh, but you did confirm that we have the quorum to proceed with the meeting. Uh, just to make uh, short opening remarks and, and be able to give some guidance on how we'll be approaching this meeting. Like I made a comment in the morning, coming from the constituency in the West Rand, Swanneville, uh, I also recognize and acknowledge the fact that today marks 30 years since uh, the Swanneville massacre on this day in 1991 where lives would have been affected and families uh, broken in what uh, would, would have been termed at the time a state-sponsored uh, 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 massacre, even though it would have had uh, political parties participating. In that score, one takes uh, this opportunity uh, to recognize the hard work of communities themselves. An NGO would have organized a commemoration today, supported by uh, the Honorable Ward Councillor, Amen Luando Hesha, who's a Ward Councillor in the space. And this is important in that the community itself would have organized through this Kurumani NGO, which uh, indicates that this is shared by the people in general and that in the context of development, it's a reminder that yes, Swanneville may not be the same as at the time of the massacre, but a lot still needs to happen and that can only happen when community leaders like the old councillors work together with the communities and other government entities and departments uh, to ensure that the lives of people can be taken to new heights. Uh, with that, I officially declare the meeting open and in that score, would want to give the following guidance in terms of how we're going to approach the presentations. Of course, we have received a report that the political heads are not with us, that is the ministry, uh, both the minister and deputy Minister would recognize the minister when she joins uh, the session and would afford an opportunity uh, as we proceed. But if they are, the department is here, they would be able to introduce the entities uh, and, and will take it uh, in that way. 
a Jira youth uh, at this Jefferson. point. Jefferson, the minister has just joined us. Okay, thank you. That helps us a lot then because uh, then the minister would do the introduction as expected, give a bit of an overview as you are flighting uh, the agenda just for purposes of uh, a sequence in terms of the presentations as we would expect them. We would give the minister an opportunity. After that, we would then apply the rule in terms of the time allocated to the entities, uh, understanding the magnitude of uh, matters that we have been dealing with with regard to the two entities. Uh, allow me members to guide the meeting uh, by indicating that with regard to the SABC, uh, please, board chair, when we give to you, that's when the 20 minutes would apply. We are doing this uh, with an understanding that you would have shared amongst yourselves uh, the people that will be contributing to the presentation, highlight the key uh, matters that you would want the committee to really emphasize and consider as we consider the whole uh, uh, presentation. As it regards to SAPO, would be increasing the time there to 30 minutes. This is because they would be doing in the main two presentations, uh, given that the annual report would have not been presented, uh, that they would be able to combine the two. And in this instance, I would not want to uh, really rule on, on which one comes uh, first, because we will still have to receive both and only engage in any way after the, the presentation. So that will be 30 minutes, excluding the overview that the minister would give. Thereafter, we would have members engaging. The time is also informed by the fact that members would have received the presentations uh, well on time, went through them, except for the revision that SAPO would have done uh, after the engagements with the AGSA uh, uh, on matters uh, that relates to the annual report, which will engage on at the time of engagement. Uh, so that we take into account, uh, hence the time uh, allocation that we're giving. If, if we can try by all means possible to stick to the times so as to allow members to engage. Uh, I do sympathize with members that they've been seeing many entities that have come before the committee who've been working uh, day and night, uh, not, not like there's any gap in between, uh, taking into account that the house sittings were also continuing and the members needed to participate. But we'll still uh, ensure that the engagements are still qualitative. Uh, so we, we are now officially open and we can proceed accordingly. I take it that Honorable uh, Minister of the City, you are ready to uh, just do the overview and direct from that point. Honorable Minister. Thank you so much, Honorable Chairperson. And good evening to, to all uh, the members of the Portfolio Committee. 
um, and of course uh, the government, the, the government officials and the observers in their respective areas. Chairperson, firstly, let me take this opportunity to thank the Portfolio Committee for giving us an opportunity to come and make a presentation uh, with the two agencies that report under our department. Of course, these are the South African Post Office and the South African Broadcasting Corporation, uh, which are both um, entities that report to the department. Uh, to person yesterday, if you will recall in the portfolio committee, I gave an outline of the approach that we take uh, when we engage in this process in relation to our role as the department and the ministry and, and alignment of, of, of the targets and the priorities uh, uh, as it relates to the mandate of the entities. Here, Chairperson, I'm going to start with the post office. But firstly, Chairperson, I just want to talk to that that has happened. As we are aware that um, the AG notified yourself, Chairperson, uh, notified the Chairperson of SAPO and the DG of the department uh, in the letters that, that were dated the 5th of May, 2021. Of course, the issue was about the review that AGSA has, had conducted on SAPO's 2019-2020 annual report, wherein and, 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 and highlighted areas that needed to be corrected. Chairperson, I would like to bring it to the attention of the committee that the AGM of SAPO was held on the 31st of March, 2021, in which both SAPO financials and the annual report were presented, and also the AG's report with the AG present for their part of the presentation. At no stage was it indicated that the AG was to review the annual report subsequent to the AGM sitting. It is unfortunate that this matter was only brought to the attention of the portfolio committee, the chairperson of SAPO, and the department on the eve of SAPO's presentation of the annual report to the committee. Under normal circumstances, the AG would have first engaged the post office management on their reviews, then escalate to the board, and then take shareholder into confidence if the escalations with the board did not work. This process, of course, would have enabled both the post office board and the shareholder to take necessary corrective measures without causing unnecessary inconveniences to the portfolio committee schedule, especially considering that this matter is being brought to the attention of all stakeholders at least six months post the annual general meeting. Upon being notified to a person of the age's subsequent reviews, as the shareholder, we implored support to urgently engage the AG in order to ensure that the matters raised can be addressed. We're happy to announce that these engagements between the post office and the AG have taken place and both entities have confirmed in writing that they have found each other and the relevant pages of the annual report have been corrected. The Eratum have been incorporated into the South African Post Office's presentation and it will reflect on them during their delivery of the presentation. Honorable members, whilst we appreciate the input and the review by the AG as our quality assurance partners and also respect their independence in their roles and responsibilities, we believe that the engagements can be improved 
in terms of how we communicate with each other. We are happy for the cooperation shown in ensuring that they take post office through the specific reviews. Post today's presentation, the post office will be updating specific pages of the annual report. And upon the approval of the specific pages by the board, the error term will be submitted for tabling to the Speaker of Parliament. We're comfortable as the department that the AG is fine with the post office's amended presentation and the amendments will not change the audit outcome. In regard to the disclaimer opinion and the financial challenges at the post office, we are expediting the appointment of the turnaround experts at SAPO to assist the institution with the reorganization and repositioning of the entity. We are also in a process of reviewing the SAPO Act to reposition SAPO in the digital era. The new CEO has been appointed to assist with the leadership stabilization and the CFO appointment is being expedited by the post office board. Chairperson and honorable members, the post office will get into the details as per the priorities of the minister's performance agreement, as per the priorities of the MTSF in relation to that, that the department must deliver on to the nation. And of course, they will give a brief overview and specifics in certain areas on how they are addressing some of the challenges that they're going through. I must report to yourselves that at least within the recent uh, two weeks, we've seen improvement in terms of certain challenges that the post office has been going through. We are fully confident that uh, as we try to stabilize the post office, it will be able to occupy its rightful place and of course deliver as per the expectations as we have started to see the strides they are making even now. And this is something that we will report about uh, in, in, the, in the next uh, quarter report, Chairperson. If I were to go to the SABC, Chairperson, uh, as we are aware that it's delegated to the Deputy Minister, uh, the apology has been submitted. But again, as we go to the SABC, Chairperson, the same process applies wherein the minister is the shareholder representative at SABC with certain powers that the minister or the department can exercise over the SABC. And of course, yourselves as parliamentarians being the appointing authority and therefore talking to some of the elements in relation to the work that is being done by the SABC. Of course, the submission uh, by the, the, the SABC was made to the department. And of course, at the center of it is the compliant, compliance with the requirements that are set out in the respective treasury regulations, 29.1, you know, and the issues that are raised, of course, in this context, uh, no performance indicators and targets contained in the document that will be pursued to boost commercial revenue over the MTF. And of course, SABC has cited certain reasons. And of course, as the department, we are of the view that the financial indicators and targets may not provide an accurate measure of financial sustainability going forward. To this effect, honorable members, we are urging the SABC to consider utilizing financial ratios as a measure for liquidity and financial position. From a financial point of view, the total revenue is expected to increase by 28%, uh, 17%, and 13% respectively for each of the financial years over the medium term. 
in the indication of the documents submitted, this growth will be driven by advertising revenue that is expected to increase by 21% between 2021 and 2022. Of course, uh, Chairperson, in the document, they detail that uh, we, ex- we are expecting to see expenditure that is about 900 million from 7 billion in 2021-2022 to 8.1 billion in 2023-2024. Of course, they report that permanent employee costs are expected to decline by 317 million in the 2021-2022 financial year. They are again making reference to signal distribution costs, which are expected to decrease by 4% over the medium term. And of course, the review of signal transmission costs with Centec, including the impact of analog switch off has not been factored into the budget process. Chairperson, with your permission, I would like to hand over to any of the entities that you would like to, to, to start with in terms of inviting for presentation. Chairperson, as I indicated earlier, we make sure that we bring the accounting authorities of the entities as our responsibility is just to provide oversight and strategic direction as the executive authority and that's where it ends. Would like to, to, to then invite those that are responsible for the operations of, 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 of the entities, uh, both post office and SABC, to take the portfolio committee and the nation into confidence in relation to the matters that I spoke about as per the corporate plan for this financial year. Thank you so much, Chairperson. We will come back when we have to respond to certain things. Thank you once more. Uh, thank you, Honorable Minister. Uh, as I said, we, we did get an apology that you were also traveling. And I'm sure once you uh, are able to settle the part about uh, uh, switching on the video camera, I, I, I saw a complaint that they would have loved to see the minister as, uh, as she speaks. Um, I will make sure to personal uh, once uh, you are settled surely that that is not uh, a problem thanks uh, for the overview honorable minister we will now give to the SABC uh, welcome the board and and the team as we recognize the chair of the SABC board uh, to to lead the board chair of the board over to you Good evening, uh, Honourable Chairperson, uh, Portfolio Committee uh, members, uh, Honourable Minister, uh, other board chairpersons of the other entities, department colleagues, and uh, greetings to the SAPC team. With me today, um, with um, Advocate Lekalakala, who represent uh, subcommittees of the board, the Deputy Chair send her apology. Um, on the side of the executives, the group CEO, CFO, COO, and the group executive uh, members are part of the sittings. As they address different aspects, they will then introduce themselves at that point. In the interest of time, uh, Honorable Chair, that we only have 20 minutes, I want to immediately hand over to the CFO, Ms. Yolande van Bellion, to take us through the presentation, highlighting those silent important points so that we can be able to allow them more time to take us through that. If you allow me, Chairperson, I will hand over to Yolandi. 
Good evening, um, Chairperson of the uh, of the committee, uh, Honourable Minister, uh, Honourable Committee members, my board chair, other board chairs and board members, and other uh, members uh, currently in the sitting. I am uh, going to monitor my time, Chairperson, and uh, and try to stick to it rigidly. Table of contents, brief strategic overview, our services, delivery, the budget, and then the PDOs. Um, by now, our mission, vision, and values um, are known, uh, developed about three years ago. We are still rigidly trying to live up to these. And in terms of our introduction and strategic overview, as a national public broadcaster, we must offer to all South Africans' official languages a range of informative education and entertainment programs that showcase South African attitudes, opinions, ideas, values, talents, and artistic creativity. We do operate um, currently in a particularly challenging environment, not only from an economic perspective, um, if you consider the impact of COVID, reducing tax revenue levels, etc., but more importantly, when it comes to the competitive environment, where we are confronted with new entrants, uh, we have non-linear and OTT broadcasting technology that makes it easier for content providers to reach audiences at a more cost-effective manner. Uh, we are confronted with paid television broadcasters that continue to enjoy limited regulations versus that which we um, as a public broadcaster is confronted with. And we also face competition, obviously, for the best content and talent. When it comes to the regulatory environment, while we recognize uh, that there has been uh, and continue to be significant efforts underway, uh, we do struggle to operate successfully and commercially viable in a legislative framework that has not kept pace with the growth in digital technology and the convergence of media technology and telecommunications. However, this corporate plan uh, represents the SABC's efforts to remain relevant, fulfill its public broadcasting mandate, and to be able to do so in a self-sustaining way. A brief reflection on uh, the, is the citizens in South Africa that we reach today. And we are proud to be able to say that between our 18 radio stations, five television channels, and a digital media offering, we reach 73% of the adult radio listening, which translates into 29 million South Africans that choose our radio stations. Our television channels service on average 29 million South African adults with news approximately 5 million and in core until uh, it was the contract concluded in May that reached about 6.1 million people. Uh, the next two slides is a little bit more detail on the performance and audience attraction of our radio stations and television stations. Not going to stand still with that. And by now, also developed um, three years ago, is our strategic pillars and goals. Uh, should be well known to all of us, being chief amongst that financial sustainability, uh, content and platforms where we offer, endeavor to offer competitive and innovative multi-channel portfolio. We want to be the SABC everywhere for everyone with a dynamic workforce that is fit for purpose but compliant to govern, governance practices, risk management, and with a sound internal control environment. And last but not least, establishing and nurturing sustainable and strategic partnerships. The next few slides deal with the main themes in our turnaround strategy and the activities uh, that underpin those. These are monitored on a monthly basis. The organization as a whole is effectively contracted 
to achieve not only the activities that underpins this, but also the effective implementation of our turnaround strategy. For the current financial year, our goal is to ensure 100% completeness and implementation of that strategy by the end of the financial year. But um, if it was up to the management, we would endeavor to achieve it around about quarter three. I'm now going to go into the budget itself and we'll spend a little bit more time on that. As the minister indicated, we do a, a boldly and courageously commit to significant revenue growth over the MTF period, uh, up to 28% in the first year and 17 and 13% in the years beyond. Uh, this is while our expenditure uh, is very um, stagnant once we have invested in a number of initiatives that I'm going to share with you in a second in this coming financial year. After that, the growth um, is more or less CPI related with a little bit a higher increase in the 2024 year. But ultimately, we are then able to report uh, following our forecasted loss for this past financial year, which is approximately 800 million, that in the next 18 months, we uh, anticipate to achieve break-even uh, and, uh, in fact, even be sustainably profitable in the 2024 financial year. So we are uh, currently budgeting for a loss of 603 million rand in the 2022 financial year before uh, we started the active turnaround visible also in our financial sustainability and report a profit of approximately 150 million year in the 2023 year and 350 million approximately in the 2024 year. And yes, just to once again emphasize the significant driver of this performance is how we anticipate to, to generate revenue. And we do that on the back of the science that's already been visible in the, quarter, the last two quarters of the past financial year. So the team is energized and motivated and committed um, to achieve this performance. This is a, a busy slide. Um, I will spend a little bit more time um, on this, uh, and particularly in the middle column. This, this MTF budget um, is designed, as I indicated earlier, to align 100% with the conclusion of the implementation of our turnaround plan. It therefore allows management an opportunity to measure the successes and the achievements and also to make the final corrective actions as is appropriate to ensure that we implement our turnaround plan successfully. I've touched on the revenue growth and, and, and how we intend to achieve that um, to the extent that it is noted, also as the minister indicated, that we are unable to share information that is commercially sensitive. Um, but we have numerous initiatives also in our turnaround strategy that uh, captures how we intend to, to secure this revenue, revenue growth. Coming to TV licenses, in the first of, in the 2022 financial year, we anticipate 29% growth in the revenue. It is driven by a combination of uh, the investment in content that we hope to start seeing the return on investment on as we attract um, eyes and ears back to our channels and stations. We are intending to invest a significant amount in marketing, therefore uh, reaching the, the eyes and ears and telling uh, to be able to tell them, come look what we have. It's interesting, it's fresh, it's compelling. Uh, join, join our journey. And then last but not least, we continue to enhance our collection methods and make easier the way that the payment channels and access thereof to um, our uh, TV license subscribers. 
There's an L cost, a permanent employee cost in particular. The minister briefly mentioned it. Um, there's a decline of 317 million anticipated from the past financial year to the 2022 financial year. It, uh, we then expect that uh, this cost will account for 28% of the overall cost uh, over the MTF period, compared to 40% and 38% in the past periods. Independent contractors um, increased by a marginal 9%, particularly related to, to um, the return of outside broadcast and as the pandemic and its impact on industry and um, the, uh, our uh, organization uh, is ameliorated and as the vaccination program gained traction. Important to note um, that there has been no increases forecast or budgeted for at all over the MTF period. This, um, despite the fact that uh, there, one of the four options that can, that we still need to consult with um, the unions and our other partners is that should the organization return to a break, even that this position will be reviewed. But currently, um, the, no provision for increases has been made. Signal and distribution costs decreased by 4% only annually and ultimately 80, 80 million rand or so over the three years. And it remains um, a topic that needs to be uh, attended to, which the minister also referred to, and there are numerous efforts um, in this regard. Broadcasting cost increase, um, but it's related to the increase in revenue. And also as the, an audience research panel that came on stream recently and um, get the roll up their sleeves and get working and we get the results from that to be able to, to make, to adapt our strategies as is appropriate. I have mentioned marketing costs and there are some statistics. In short, um, it will average about 5% of ad advertising revenue over this period uh, and uh, versus the 1% um, that it averaged over the past three years. Consulting fees um, increase, mainly driven by a, a budget that's been set aside as we are optimizing our certain offices aligned with our target operating model and our turnaround strategy. And also as we embark on an initiative to optimize workspace throughout the organization and the cost that is associated with it, noting that the return on that uh, investment takes place over the future years. Operating expenditure grow uh, also, um, mainly as a result of the investment in repairs and maintenance uh, that has uh, been delayed over a number of years as a result of our financial situation, but which is now rapidly being ramped up. Also, as our supply chain department comes on stream to be able to meet and exceed um, expectations from them. A few other items also contribute to operational expenditure. One particularly would be a PIBX system, which previously was going to be CAPEX. It is now OPEX, as we also align with the latest um, technology in this respect. So again, just to state and that the organization is then budgeting to make a loss of 603 million rand for the 2022 financial year and a green break even and, and profitability from there onwards. Factors not included uh, is the impact of legislative support, um, including the must carry provisions and certain licensing conditions that are under review for, for some of our radio stations. We have touched on the impact of signal distribution cost, transmission cost, and uh, the engagements in this regard that's ongoing. Um, possible return of additional television channels have not been factored in 
We are in consultation with our uh, stakeholder and shareholders around uh, an amnesty program for TV license fees um, and will be implemented um, should we proceed with that initiative. And last but not least, um, as news uh, broadcast today indicate that we're in the third wave, we remain conscious of COVID that is present in our day-to-day -day world. We do believe that the organization and our advertisers and clients have adapted, so our content providers, um, but to an extent we are still uncertain of financial implications, particularly as it relates to lockdown levels. Risks and challenges. Uh, yes, the advertising revenue growth might not live up to what we um, committed to. We are struggling to see a turnaround on S3 and uh, particularly three radio stations, as much as there are significant uh, strategies in place to be able to achieve this. And some of the items uh, that needs to be addressed, however, is outside of the control of the organization. Stagnating, stagnating uh, or maturing linear television advertising market together with a focus on digital is a risk that we, we're aware of um, and we are um, putting measures in place also as we develop and mature our digital strategy and particularly the, the commercialization in that respect. We do not yet uh, um, explore opportunities in the continental markets um, uh, to the extent that is possible. And we are conscious, all of us are, of the volatility on the emerging OTT market. And on the other topics I've touched, the last bullet, uh, particularly the commercial viability of sports and alternative distribution uh, platforms, uh, remains a critical risk. And more on that a little bit later. This slide um, just captures a few of the more detailed initiatives um, that underpins our strategic uh, initiatives to address challenges. A very particular focus um, and uh, also interest of this committee is how we are going to curb the declining revenue. Uh, there are some, some notes there. Uh, it is a strategy that's been shared with the committee. It does require uh, that we are successful in uh, the fresh and compelling content and are therefore able to arrest our declining audiences. With respect to uh, um, capital and the digital and OTT strategy, some work that we need to do, and we're conscious of that. And there, once again, uh, the sport offering, a smart investment in sport right is necessary. Um, and to, to increase the quantum and the quality of the, of the, of the codes on offer to also mitigate um, and support our digital offering. Some short notes on our main platforms. Uh, I've indicated that S3 uh, revenue, as much as it grew by nearly 48% from the past financial year to the current one, we struggled to see it reach sustainable break-even and um, profitability over the period. We are very confident, though, that our in significant investment in content supported by marketing uh, will see this, um, this trajectory being changed. And in this financial year forecast, we are hopeful to uh, update and uh, share with yourselves how um, the, the investment in content is bringing a return. S2 will continue to carry the presidential and ministerial briefings, and noting that it does have an impact on the profitability. And S1 remains our cash cow with solid performance on a few long-standing properties. The amortization budget allows the channel to also be delivered on the second year of its three-year strategy. Uh, and uh, we, we are optimistic that the bailout funding will also uh, support uh, the team in what they need to achieve here. 
moving on to radio. There are six radio stations um, that drive the revenue growth. Uh, re revenue uh, on the radio stations is back to where it were a year ago. We are very encouraged about the trends that we've observed and that trajectory carries on into the future. We are uh, notably concerned about SAFM, Radio 2000 and Lotus. Um, SAFM and, and Lotus particularly influenced um, by certain licensing conditions and the engagements are ongoing. Radio 2000, uh, as much as it's struggling to achieve financial performance, it has been the, the strongest performing station as far as audience growth is concerned in recent months. And we are, su are sure um, or, or are confident that that will allow us an opportunity to commercialize it much more efficiently. As such, um, the ILS stations are anticipated to return to profitability. Our public commercial stations are anticipated to all be profitable over the period. Uh, and we are uh, confident that with a, uh, as part of the signal distribution conversation, the, the outcomes of the transmitter audit will also uh, allow us an opportunity to optimize costs further. When it comes to news, um, our elections budget is about 30 million uh, for the up upcoming elections. We usually provide for about 5 million or so related to events of special interest. And uh, important to note that the news budget is a uh, 710 million rand uh, and it's 100% public mandate. When it comes to sport, as I indicated, uh, we are confronted here with a few challenges, um, not the least of which is the rate of exchange. Continental events that carries uh, an, an enormous negative ROI typically return on investment. Marketing and sales restrictions that prevent, um, that causes barriers for our sales teams uh, as, it, as it is limited to the headline sponsors of these events. The sports rights market that uh, results in the SABC um, as a free-to-air broadcaster becoming a price taker. Um, the fact that we don't have sufficient space on our available channels as much as our new channel opportunities does alleviate some of the pressure there. Um, but uh, we are often still confronted with a necessity also in support of our commercial sales team to broadcast on our existing channels. And that causes a, a, a potential risk of displacement um, which and the instability in schedules, which affects our advertisers and of course, uh, certain elements of our audience as well. The business unit continues uh, currently to deliver on a negative ROI. The budget um, in the next in this um, 2022 financial year is nearly 300 million. Of that, 250 million relates to sports rights. 100% of these rights are considered public mandate events. And there's a significant number of properties not yet budgeted for, but that is deemed a sports of national interest. And therefore, we usually um, find ourselves under a, a margin of, of pressure to be able to also acquire these rights and make it available um, to South African citizens. Television licenses, the collection evasion rate continues to be around 75%. Uh, it costs us 25 cents in every rand to collect. It's a 75% um, efficiency rate there. Uh, and I've touched on, uh, on what drives the growth. We have um, started a conversation around our cost of mandate with our shareholder. Uh, and it is important to maybe just reflect for a moment on what the organization deems as, it, as it, its cost of mandate. 
because in the past three financial years, that cost of mandate amounted to 4.8 billion rand. We anticipate it to be about 5.7 billion rand in the next three years. Uh, and uh, if you then, uh, the, with the main contributors being news, of, uh, that amounts to about 2.2 billion rand, television 1.8 billion rand, and sports being 1.4 billion rand. And what is this cost of mandate? It is all programming that the SABC is required to broadcast in terms of legislation, ECOSA regulations, licensing conditions, and our editorial programs, and provided that on our public commercial uh, television stations and sound broadcasting services, it is licensing conditions that is not the same as that of our peers, uh, or it meets certain criteria, being sports of national interest, educational programming, or events of national interest. What we do in the organization, we um, take this cost of mandate and we, we consider television license revenue as well as our government grant to be 100% associated with mandate. And as such, we then determine our cost of unfunded mandate. When it comes to cash flow, um, debtors days um, uh, will see a slight increase uh, as we're transferring some of our uh, advertising clients to um, other payment models um, to ensure and to encourage early, early payment. Creditors days lengthen a little bit. Um, uh, it is usually driven, however, by the impact of, of significant cash flow constraints. And, and we have by now established strategic partnerships with a few key uh, suppliers and service providers. And together we work, therefore, to, to carry the brunt of the cash flow constraints that we might be confronted with. And we do not um, burden any small or medium sized entity with these constraints and the impact thereof. We pay them on 30 days from invoice as is required um, and support them um, under all circumstances. Uh, so, as much as the creditors days, um, uh, mechanistically calculated is anticipated to increase in, in the coming year as a result of the continued net losses, it then um, starts to turn around. But as the minister also indicated, we, make, uh, we, we have noted the, the concerns of the department expressed in this regard, and we, we make special effort to ensure that uh, the SMME entities are never um, uh, affected by these kind of um, constraints that we may face. Capital expenditure is limited to the National Treasury funding, and we um, do not anticipate any borrowing required as we maximize um, the remaining balance of the bailout funds, as well as uh, carefully manage our cash. I'm about to wrap up, Chairperson. What you see in front of you is our long-term capital plan. As indicated, um, it is limited to where there is funding available for at this point in time, as much as to give you an idea in the 2022 year, the actual requirement is nearer to a billion rand, uh, but that will only be made available when funding is present. Our predetermined objectives, and I'm not gonna go into any detail here, uh, it endeavors to illustrate what the corporation does or intend to do without jeopardizing the commercial sensitivities um, as previously mentioned. Um, and it also tries to uh, draw attention to a specific topics that has been of interest to uh, stakeholders to our organization and the activities that we embark upon in order to meet and exceed these. 
we, we wish to capture uh, in this specific PDR is the clear alignment between our turnaround strategy uh, and um, our, our uh, corporate plan, as well as then um, our shareholders uh, representatives performance management agreement. Again, we have noted the input from the department on the financial indicators, and they are currently visible. We have carefully considered um, and looked at benchmark and other potential ratios that, that could present a, a, a different picture or a more enhanced picture. Um, but at this time, we do not um, have reason to believe that what we present here uh, will necessarily uh, be different or give a more in-depth picture when we pick um, the traditional um, and more known uh, ratios. We do endeavor to share and continue to do so ever in our monthly monitoring committee meetings with our um, shareholder as well as national treasury. And with that, Chairperson, uh, literally, I think a minute over my time, I will conclude and hand back to my chair. Thank you very much. Thank you, Yuli. Um, um, uh, let me hand over to the Honorable Chair, who will then be ready to address any follow-up questions or input going forward. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable uh, Van Dam. I see uh, that you, you are raising your hand. Uh, I just wanted to check whether that is by uh, an error or, or what, because we're still yet to receive the next presentation and allow members to engage. Oh, sorry, Chair. I thought you would um, ask questions now and then deal with the post office. Okay, cool. I'll wait. Thanks. All right. Thank you. May I then invite uh, Sapo? Thank you, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Members, Honorable Minister, officials from the department and fellow colleagues, um, as well as guests. We will start off with the annual report as Sapo. And um, we just wish to say that the financial statements and audit report was less favorable than what the South African Post Office Board would have liked to submit to its shareholder. Instead of allowing this to bring despair, the board are looking ahead to ensure that the audit opinion will be improved in the next financial year. I would appreciate the opportunity to address some key aspects affecting the financials but more so what actions are being taken to address it to ensure that SAPO improves the audit outcome for the next financial year. Firstly, an active program is in place where weekly updates to the group CEO as well as monthly updates to the board and the Honourable Minister on how we can address the Category A findings. Then instability at all levels of the organisation has found expression in the results that are being presented. From changes in the board to ch changes in vacancies in EXCO, which filter down to staff members. Where we are today, the Honourable Minister has appointed a competent board who has provided stability in the last seven months. A CEO has been appointed and has started on the 1st of April and has already hit the ground running, as the Minister has indicated in her opening remarks. And despite a curveball of a newly appointed CFO, resigning, the board has moved swiftly on the recruitment process 
and collectively we are working towards stabilization of the South African post office. The other factor is the separation of postbank without compensation had a number of adverse implications. The first being the com complication of separating the financials of the two entities have proven to be more complex than expected given the resource constraints in finance. An RFP has been submitted to assist with improving the audit report and to ensure accurate accounting for the postbank separation. The next factor in terms of postbank was engagements with regards to certain aspects of the um, separation. And to remedy that, the uh, PTTT committee has been re-established, a cooperation agreement signed between the two parties and regular interactions to iron out any differences that are addressed, um, should be addressed simultaneously. The other factor regarding post-bank would be due to the fact that no compensation has been received to date for post-bank. Not only has the post office lost a profit-making business unit, but it also affects the capital injection required to build sustainable alternative revenue generation capacity. The South African Post Office wish to thank the Honourable Minister and the Department for their support in the specialists that will be deployed in the SAPO to assist with long-term turnaround implementations. We believe that this will assist in convincing National Treasury um, to compensate us for the post-bank separation. Next factor is our footprint and reach to every corner of the country has the impact of an unsustainable cost base. It costs money to service the country. The upswing to SAPO is still considered as a critical partner of government and the public at last. The time has come for us to regain the trust of the South African public and thereby generating revenues corresponding to our reach and potential. Innovation and digitalization has been lacking with support systems and infrastructure far too outdated to enable the technology required for 4IR. Key partnerships with government entities such as CETA and future investments will ensure that SAPU is on the forefront of innovation and digitalization. Indeed, the picture that are painted for the 2019-2020 financial year is representative of the, of the turmoil that the South African Post Office faced. It's however with a firm conviction that we work to be a trusted exchange channel to service delivery in South Africa, respected for our relevance, reliability, reach and resilience. SAPO has celebrated a number of successes during the year, of which a few to be mentioned would be the role we played in the South African elections, stabilization of the payment of social grants, expansion of motor vehicle licenses, delivering of textbooks, substantial improvement in delivery standard, international sustainability factors that are monitored, SAPO continues to play a strategic role in the provision of essential goods and services. The activities of SAPO impact on the quality, accessibility and affordability of services provided to the community and especially the poor and vulnerable. It is with gratitude that we wish to thank Minister Mustela Ndebeni Abrams, Deputy Minister Mspinki Kekana, the Department of Communications and Digital Technologies, the executive staff, and all stakeholders of the South African Post Office for their dedication to service the people of South Africa. At this point, I wish to hand over to the newly appointed group CEO and her team to do the presentation on the annual report.
Thank you. Thank you, Chair of the Board, and to the Honourable Chair of the Committee and the Committee members, uh, Honourable Minister, um, the other Board members from other entities that are with us, um, uh, my own uh, team from SAPO and colleagues, good evening. My name is Nomkita Mona, and I'm the Group CEO uh, for SAPO. I, I um, stumbled a bit there because I wanted to say I'm the newly appointed, I mean, I've been here for a month now, so I'm no longer new. Uh, I'm going to hand over to the gentlemen who are going to do the presentation for SAPO, uh, being the Gerald Ratnam, as well as Lenny Gavinder. But before I hand over to them, I wanted to make some remarks uh, that the report that we are sharing today in terms of the financial report is a historical one. It is the report for the year ended 1920, so we've also just uh, completed a new financial, well, the last financial year, uh, 2021. As the chair of the board has mentioned, the results are less than pleasing also to ourselves as management. And we are working hard already to improve the audit outcomes for the year just ended. We want a different outcome to the one that we will be presenting today. We are in the process of uh, stabilizing the leadership and the management team. But the biggest thing for us is to restore trust and confidence of the citizens and customers. And with, with this, we are using the back to basics approach. We're saying those people who are supposed to do a certain function must focus on doing that. But we've also just, uh, you would have seen in the media that we've opened a number of branches that were closed because this is part of us building a South African post office that is obsessed with customer service. Um, in terms of our approach going forward, we do realize that we need a multi-pronged strategy. So there's the one side of fixing what is wrong currently, looking at cost containment, but also we need new revenue sources. And therefore we're looking at issues like e-commerce, logistics, digitization, and a lot of other opportunities that have been brought to us by the post-COVID economy. As we do look at these opportunities, we know that COVID has affected our business quite negatively, but it also has ushered in a number of opportunities for this SA post office. And as we look at these opportunities, we realize that we have a number of challenges. Uh, some of these are the ones about the huge debt in terms of statutory ob obligations, including SARS, medical aid, pension fund, et cetera. These are actually hamstringing the post office. We are not able to move if we can't deal with these matters. So that's why we're putting a lot of emphasis in terms of this. But also we are looking at our, our creditors because we need to make sure that we talk to our stakeholders, engage them and try to make good for what they've done with us. So on that note, Chair, uh, I wanted to say that there's a positive approach going forward into the affairs of the post office. We know that our past has been less than positive, but we know that our future will be brighter, but we will need all the help we can get. I'd like to then hand over to Mr. Gerald Ratnam, who will be followed by Lenny Gavinda on the AR of the uh, post office. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, CEO. Thank you, CEO. Um, good evening to the Honorable Chairperson and members of the committee. 
Honorable Minister, ADG and officials of the department, um, also um, all the other boards and everybody else online. Uh, let me please just uh, share the presentation. Thank you. So there's a post office. We are presenting the annual results for the uh, year ended 31 March 2020. Uh, Honourable uh, Chair and members, uh, noting that uh, post office, we are presenting uh, these results a year later. Uh, we know that uh, uh, from what we've seen uh, globally and locally, uh, the way we work and uh, also the way we live has significantly changed. Um, I'll get straight into the presentation. On the highlights for the post office for the year ended uh, um, 2020, uh, we found that our delivery standard uh, has improved by 12.8% uh, uh, to 89.25%. Uh, for the year under review, uh, 535 million items have already been delivered. One of the important things that we've done uh, within the post office is to look at our delivery basics that we implemented so that we can increase our career competitiveness. One of the important things that we had to do is to ensure that we uh, implement our various uh, uh, features in branches in terms of security so we can improve that during the year. Uh, what we found really pleasing is that overall we found that there was a 45% reduction in the various incidents of crime that we experienced in the post office, uh, it actually went down from 4,876 to 2,682 incidents of crime. What we're pleased to say is that we managed to also deliver the USO through the 529 uh, um, located post offices uh, various parts of the country that mainly caters for the rural and the underserved areas. The SA Post Office also had to be a responsible citizen. Therefore, we had to ensure that we can also make good contributions in terms of energy reduction. Uh, we've actually achieved 17% there. Also, when it comes to uh, waste paper, we managed to have 54 tons of paper recycled. Technology in this day and age is quite important also for the Post Office. In the previous financial year, we actually began upgrading our IT network. We managed to achieve 81% in terms of this target, where we saw 1,083 post offices move online onto our new network with fiber, uh, from the original 1,329 that we identified. When it comes to the ATM and the uh, various transactions done on pause, we managed to achieve 99% in terms of standard. Thank you. For the post office, our entire uh, environment, when you look at the labor, actually remained very stable during the year. On the headcount, we managed to have a reduction of 1,821 employees, uh, actually moving down to 16,488 employees. This was uh, actually largely achieved to the VSPs that we implemented during the year, which saw 730 employees that actually take these applications. For the post office, the year under review, we still had a lot of uh, executive vacancies that um, um, we're actually moving into the recruitment phase. And one of the important things that we've done under the year of review is we ensure that we appoint six RGMs for the different regions of the post office 
to ensure that we create this greater capacity in terms of leadership. On the side of government project, the post office, you know that we actually paid the social grants, 8 point, uh, uh, over 8 million people have been paid on a monthly basis for the grants. We also did some work when it comes to 2.6 million school books to be delivered to various schools in the Northern Cape. Also, we had to, uh, new addresses had to be rolled out. It's uh, 137,000 of them. The DGT is also an important project for government where we actually ensure that 1.1 million people have already been registered for the um, set-top box. And we also issued 549,000 of the set-top boxes that have been installed in homes of citizens. When it comes to the strategy, for the post office for the year 2020, uh, we had a vision to be the, uh, uh, an exchange of channel as trusted to ensure service delivery in our country that is also respected for our relevance, reliability, reach, and resilience. The mission is to ensure that we are reliable and have relevant government service delivery channel so that there's access to government services and also enabling secure digital and digital transactions for citizens of the country. The values are very important for the post office. On, uh, right on top you see there is, uh, we have a passion for our customers and excellent customer services so that we know that we are improving the service that we provide uh, to our customers. The objectives that we had for our strategy, we've identified six of them for the financial year. One is to ensure efficient systems and processes. Two is to ensure that assets and infrastructure is optimized. We also had to look at uh, uh, revenue and funding that we had to diversify. We also had to look at the future to see the different types of products and services that we have our customers, and most important to us is to look at our various customers and communities and see how we put them first. But doing all of that, we have to maintain a culture of excellence so that we can improve what we do. When you look at our performance for the financial year, the post office, we had 17 key performance indicators and objectives that we targeted. Uh, unfortunately, we only achieved uh, six of them. That gave us 100% of our current target. That gave us a very low performance of 35%. We've identified 11 of them that we did not achieve. But within that 11, we achieved seven of these KPIs above 80% of the planned target, despite we actually missing the 100% target uh, that was planned for the year. A little bit on each of these performance indicators. The main delivery standard we've spoken about, we've just come a little below than the cost of regulator standard of 92%. We achieved 89.25% uh, on the ATM uh, uptime, uh, linked to the IT there. We actually came in at uh, 99%. Uh, asset, we did have a problem here when it comes to asset in and uh, infrastructure optimization. Uh, we plan to do investment in our properties and refurbishments, but unfortunately, we didn't have the actual funding to get it done. So we've not achieved that KPI, but we did achieve on ensuring service delivery through the USO. Um, when we look at our revenue that we planned uh, for the last financial year, the annual revenue, we came in at 8% below the planned target for the year. Uh, what we've seen is that mail revenue still remains the main contributor 
although it is on a steady decline uh, in terms of normal volume that you see. And then also we're finding there's various male substitutions that people are using to actually communicate differently. There's also, uh, we find that there's a monthly mismatch between the revenues generated and the operating expenditure that we need to meet. Uh, and this has also put some tremendous pressure in terms of our financial obligations to the organization. What we've seen is that we've uh, seen our overall revenues further shrink uh, uh, post the environment of COVID. Uh, that is also greatly uh, affecting the business. Uh, we do receive an amount of 2.9 billion rand uh, um, in the 18-19 financial year, which was used uh, by the post office to actually pay off the loans and also to ensure that we pay critical uh, suppliers that we have money to. It's very important for post office is to look at the future and ensure that we have uh, various digital uh, um, uh, apps and also various platforms. Uh, towards getting to our vision study. And uh, looking at that, we plan to do the EP and also the omni-channel platforms. Uh, we unfortunately were unable to uh, fully go through the normal process of SEM. Uh, it was implemented during the previous financial year. We had to have these targets uh, rolled over into the new financial year to ensure we proceed that uh, to ensure we have these services. When it comes to um, um, uh, looking at various complaints that we received from customers, uh, we've actually set a target there of uh, um, um, having all of them, 100% of these resolved within 14 days in line with the COSA standard. We unfortunately were unable to achieve the 100, but we came in at 84% resolution there. And uh, we also undertook an, uh, an, uh, a survey with customers to see uh, 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 in terms of our satisfaction levels uh, to customers, uh, we had an overall result there, which was very low of 58%. Uh, we're looking at how we can improve that so that we can address some of the concerns that are raised uh, by customers. Um, on the next uh, objective, uh, on the account, uh, post office, we've uh, reduced the, in, in the year under review by 1,871 employees. We also uh, undertook an employee satisfaction uh, uh, survey during the year. Unfortunately, we had a very low result there of 42%. Uh, that also is in alignment with our uh, overall uh, environment that we find our employees operating. We're also trying to address some of these issues with labor so that we can improve the overall, uh, um, what you call, low morale uh, within employees so that they can service our customers better. When it comes to the audit, which was something that was mentioned there, we, um, although at the beginning of the year, we thought that we would get an unqualified audit opinion, uh, we actually were not pleased that we've achieved uh, 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 actual um, disclaimer of opinion in terms of our audit uh, finding. We've already begun work in that area there to look at how we can improve the audit outcome for this financial year ended 31 March uh, 2021. Um, Honorable Chair, I'll hand over to our acting CFO, Mr. Lenny Governor, who will do the finance slide. Thank you. Thank you, General. Good evening, Honorable Chairperson, Portfolio Committee members, Honorable Minister, board members and colleagues present. In terms of the revenue for SAPO for the year ending 31st March 2020, revenue of 4.1 billion was received in comparison to 5.3 billion for the previous financial year. In the previous financial year of 2019, 
We had revenue of 1.8 billion rand, which included Postbank. As from the 1st of April 2019, Postbank is required to prepare separate financial statements and ends the financials have not been consolidated in 2020. If you look at the postal services, the revenue was 2.8 billion, which increased marginally by 0.2%. Our financial services revenue of 1.2 billion rand increased by 606 million due to the full year revenue we received for the SASA transactions of 735 million in comparison to 108 million rand received in the previous financial year. Our operating cost of 6.5 billion reduced by 5% to 6.8 billion rand and our staff cost increased by 3.6% to 3.9 billion. The staff costs contribute 60% of SAPA's operating costs and is one of our major cost drivers. The loss for the year increased by 669 million rand to 1.8 billion rand. And when you compare to the prior year, the loss was 1.1 billion. If you look at the 2019 financial year, we had postbank profits consolidated. So if you normalize the, the loss for 2019, the loss excluding postbank was 1.6 billion rand, which increased by 200 million if you compare from a normalized base. Next slide, please, Joe. Slide 12 is just the detailed income statement where we covered the selling points. Where revenue was 4.1 billion rand. We had staff costs of 3.9 billion rand and operating loss of 1.6 billion rand, resulting in a loss for the year of 1.8 billion rand. Next slide, please. Thank you, Joel. Next slide. So in terms of our statement of financial position of the balance sheet, the total asset was 11 billion rand. We got the non-current assets of 4 billion rand, the investment at post bank of 3.5 billion rand, and current assets of 3.5 billion with a total assets of 11 billion rand. So in 2019, we had the post bank financials consolidated in, in the 2019 numbers. But in 2020, post bank is required to prepare separate financial and not been consolidated. If you look at the share capital, the share capital was eight point. The share capital was eight point one billion rand, and the accumulated loss increased to six point one billion rand, with non-current liabilities of two point four billion rand, and total equity and liabilities of eleven billion rand. Next slide, please. In terms of cash flow, as the revenue continues to be lower than the expenditures, we result in in the operation utilizing cash in the prior year of one billion rand and 716 million rand in the 2020 financial year. We have in the prior year, as Joel indicated, we had net cash of 2.9 million rand, which was received for the recapitalization of SAPO in January 2019. And amount of 1 billion rand was utilized to settle term loans. And the balance of those funds were utilized to settle historical liabilities. We also received the 475 million rand in the 20 financial year for the funding of universal service obligation and 42 million rand was utilized for CAPEX in 2020. Thank you. The next slides, the next few slides are the Rotten to the any report as the minister indicated. In page two, in terms of the highlights, the revenue in the annual report was 616 million rand is changed to a revenue increase by 591 million or 17%. In page two of the highlights, there's no change of the DOCX net profit that remains same as 1.6 billion million rand. In item three, the page two is highlights. The recapitalization funds were received of 2.9 billion rand. AG requested we insert the 1819 financial which we will do. So, and that, that assisted in SAPO's liquidity in terms of immediate liabilities. In item four in page two, the highlights, 
the motor vehicle license revenue improved by 27 million rand and upgrade 3.9 million rand. So the changes to 27 million rand, 27 million rand. Item five in terms of the performance in indication in page 24, uh, that revenue is also included in the item number one. So that sentence is deleted. Next slide, please. In item six and seven on page 48, where the operating expenditure for in terms of the human resource performance management should be 6475860 compared to 6434867000, and the personnel expenditure changes to 38913150000, and also the employee cost to operating cost changes 60%, and the average total cost per employee is 232,484 Rand. And the net item eight and eight and nine is the director's report on page 68. They changed from 1.789 billion rand to 1.768 billion rand. And in item nine, the revenue changed to 4.102 billion rand. And item 10, in terms of the deferred tax note on the 13, it's changed to double to 16585. And in note 11, the item that was deferred loss that was an error that was deleted on the annual report. Next slide, please. And item 12, the other operating income. The change between 19 is 223846000. And item 13, the cash generated from operation for the company in 2020 was 752 changed to 271000. In item four, the next four slides as the presentation is the omission of the notes to the grain concern. Thank you, Gerald. Okay, thank you, Danny. Um, honorable chair members, uh, we move on uh, with the last two slides of this deck. I'll try to make it fast. During the year under review, 2019-20, uh, um, the term of the non-executive directors of the board is quiet, and new directors were appointed with a new chairperson that assisted uh, uh, post From a leadership, we had the positions of the CEO and CEO, uh, COO that also became vacant uh, during the year. And the uh, CFO position still remains vacant, which is under recruitment, as you also heard earlier by Honorable Minister. And, uh, we are very pleased to announce that our new CEO has started, Ms. Uh, Nomkita Mona, you heard a little earlier. And also the uh, um, uh, CFO position is underway currently. Uh, executive positions uh, are trying to be addressed uh, as we move forward into this year as well, so that we create uh, stability at a leadership level in the organization. Uh, the audit outcome, uh, lots of work is getting done to look at how we can change this audit outcome uh, uh, in this new financial year that has just ended. Uh, so uh, the work is underway with regards to uh, getting that process moving forward. Uh, my last slide on the uh, annual results, looking at the year ahead, we heard from Honorable Minister, we are very pleased. Uh, the high focus for post office is to look at the turnaround plan and how we can finalize that and also to restructure the organization so that we can finally address sustainability and the relevance of the entity. Uh, also, when it comes to the SASA uh, uh, social grants, uh, we want to look at various uh, improvements that we can do to the system so that we can ensure greater efficiency and also uh, lower the various costs to serve uh, um, these communities. BDM, when it comes to the digital migration, we also are looking at how we can post-track this uh, 
uh, internally within post office so that we can reduce the holding of the various stock that we have and ensure that they issued uh, to the newly appointed installers. The post-bank corporatization is also very important. We want to look at how we can ensure that there's an absolutely smooth transition when it comes to the post-bank corporatization. Peter, we're looking at engaging with the agency within our own department so that we can uh, actually stabilize our IT environment uh, within TEPL. And also we're looking at how we can focus that we can move up things when it comes to digitization and identify those solutions that can assist in uh, improved service delivery. Uh, uh, also, when it comes to the TEPL Act, uh, we're looking at amendments that we are working with the department that we can review this act here and include also very critical services when it comes to diversification and also uh, services that offer digital. E-commerce also becomes very important. Uh, we're looking at how we can elevate and increase the role that we play as a hub in Africa uh, so that we can uh, enhance uh, the last mile delivery. And also we are looking at an e-mall that can allow greater access to more especially small business that they can have a platform and also that they can uh, make available their um, products and services. Your permission, I'll move straight on to the uh, uh, APP and budget uh, uh, presentation uh, chair. Thank you. Thank you. As you as you do that, I just want to remind you of the time I've tried to, and I think you've yes. spent time on this. I give you up to. Uh, 1935, if you can try and highlight uh, uh, key issues on members of the through the, the document. Uh, Noted, Chair, thank you very much. We'll speed it up. Um, okay, thank you, um, Chair members. Uh, let, okay, this is the uh, couple corporate plan. Uh, for the 2021-22 uh, financial year that covers the MTF period until 2024. Um, the, the post office actually get its mandate uh, from the Act 124 of 1998 so that we can ensure that we have affordable and accessible postal and financial services for all South Africans. Uh, the Act also ensures that we must render USO services uh, to those more especially uh, uh, in underserviced and rural communities. Um, moving on, Chia uh, did this in the previous presentation in terms of our mission. We just come alignment here when it comes to our values to ensure that we elevate these components of trust, accountability, innovation, excellence, and respect uh, within the values so that we can properly support our mission and uh, our vision as the power of Moving on, we see that uh, the customer value uh, uh, is uh, quite important for us as an organization. Uh, we want to ensure that we are uh, easily accessible to convenience and we have easy to use products and services for our customers. When it comes to value, we want to ensure that we have acceptable quality of uh, the uh, various products uh, that we have as a post office and services, but more importantly, that we meet the needs and expectations of our customers. Plus, we must ensure that we move items uh, in what you call a, a safe and secure handling of all customer items, more especially electronic data, uh, uh, throughout the entire value chain, 
reliability. We want to ensure that uh, we have this bill that is reliable, consistent, and it's speed for service so that uh, we can provide this for our customers. REACH, we have this uh, extensive network of post offices throughout the country so that there's uh, access uh, to our services uh, through all communities. Um, uh, moving on, uh, we had to ensure alignment uh, through our department uh, to make sure that what we are doing will actually contribute to the achievement of the goals of government and uh, to the department. So one of the things we're looking at is the review and expansion of the Act for the Post Office together with the memorable, which is underway currently with the department. Uh, the SMMEs, we're looking at uh, how we can implement our own digital strategy so that we can better support the offering of services and markets to SMMEs. When it comes to the DTT, we want to look at the STB kits for uh, Free State, Northern Cape, Western, uh, uh, Northwest, and Limpopo, so that we can ensure that these STB kits are installed in the homes of qualifying citizens. Also, we want to ensure that we increase digital and physical access to government services, to all communities. Very importantly for us is to look at how we can enhance our own training of staff, uh, more especially when it comes to digital technologies. Uh, one of the things we want to look at is how we can better communicate uh, in terms of our various suppliers when we experience delays in addressing uh, their payments. One of the very important things we are going to look at uh, uh, in this year is how we can improve organizational performance and, uh, uh, and to look at also on our APP that when we plan these targets, uh, that how we can uh, uh, ensure that we uh, implement those remedial actions that are required to get performance on track. Very important for the post office over this uh, new year is we want to focus on how we can modernize and digitize the post office uh, into an organization that actually meets the needs of a modern society. We all know now that we are in this new world uh, that we need uh, these services uh, uh, to operate more accessible through digital uh, so that we can even maintain social distancing and ensure that we sustain them. So some of these core things are the actually what forms uh, um, the multi-channel platform that will ensure we have also an e-commerce so that we can scale up in that area there. We want to also look at financial payments that we can ensure that we have a gateway so that when we have customers coming to the office, we can address the various payments that they have. We also have this national warehousing network that we want to look at how we can accommodate various goods uh, of SMMEs and other customers also to enable um, um, e-commerce. We also want to look at this enhancing the last mile delivery when it comes to the national distribution network. Most importantly, we also want to look at how we provide convenient access to government services to all citizens. The roadmap, when you look at this, we've actually linked it up back to our Vision 2030, where we're looking at taking the post office. First, we need to implement the turnaround. To get there, we need to ensure that we have an organization that is actually stable, during this period here over the MCF, we want to ensure that we get that so that we can actually work towards having a modernized organization. And finally, we want to ensure that we have an integrated postal uh, access platform for all customers. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, although we are showing this over uh, uh, to 2030, looking at a nine, 10 year period, we want to fast track this to faster than that. Um, yeah, we want to look at the um, uh, 
um, last mile delivery. You know, we have this extensive network throughout the country, and we will look at how we can actually strengthen the various services uh, through the last mile delivery so that we can have modern postal services uh, that can be optimized uh, through uh, what we have currently so that we can be efficient and effective when it comes to the last mile delivery, ensuring that we improve the customer experience and also that we can enhance real-time tracking and we can uh, ensure that items move faster through the postal value chain. Also, we got a greater focus when it comes to digitization, uh, to look at data warehousing, and we want to implement so that the mail services, as we find that we experience declines when it comes to the uh, letter mail, we want to augment that with other digital services, more especially within mail, so that we can have some interconnectedness between the letter, financial, and also the parcel physical platforms. Uh, what this uh, means is that we need to have a warehouse, we need to have data analytics, and an integrated platform that you'll see also form parts of our uh, objectives to be achieved this financial year. Uh, some of the important things that we think we need to get done to ensure uh, the implementation of the strategy uh, is very dependent on us. One, we need to look at the various forms of funding that we need to acquire to ensure that um, all that we plan to do in terms of initiatives are fully resourced. We do agree as a post office that we have to refocus on so that we can finally reduce them uh, down to an optimal level. Uh, we need to look at inefficiencies in the organization so that we can reduce them. And also we're looking at upskilling our employees. Revenue recovery and growth becomes very, very important for us as an organization. Also, uh, new products and services uh, also is what we want to look at uh, that can augment the declines we face in later mile. We want to also look at improving uh, service to our customers and also the experience that we offer to our customers. Importantly for us, we want to rebuild a brand to be trusted in the marketplace. And we want to ensure we have engagement of employees at all levels in the organization so that they can better service our customers. I'll end over to Lenny Gander to do the financials uh, quickly, check. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. So in terms of the entire period, the revenue is projected to increase to 4.8 billion rand to 5.7 billion rand and 6.3 billion rand. The 2021 financial year has been very tough for the post office where we've seen revenue declining by 969 million rand, which is reduced to 3.3 billion rand, resulting in a projected loss of 2.5 billion rand. SAPO is busy with the finalization of the 2021 financial year and your financial statements. So the focus on the MTEP period is to normalize the revenue and increase the revenue. The focus to increase revenue in four areas, which is a courier and parcel revenue, financial services revenue, digital revenue, and, and property revenue. The postal service revenue, there's only moderate growth in the postal services, which is linked to the tariff increase. So the revenue is projected to increase to 4.8 billion rand in the 21-22 financial year. The focus also is to manage a cost base and to reduce the cost base. So cost reduced to 6.9 million to 6.8 million billion rand to 7 billion rand. So we see a significant reduction in the cost in 6.8 billion rand in the 22-23 financial year. If you look at the operating loss or the net loss, the loss is focused to reduce to 1.5 million rand, about a billion rand compared to the previous financial year, which is further reduced to 561 million rand in the 22-23 financial year and to 139 million rand in the 23-24 financial year. So the focus is to ensure that SAPO maintains revenue level, increases the revenue, and reduces the cost base 
to reduce the gap between our revenue and expenses and improve the cash flow. In terms of the next slide, we look at our non-current assets for the 22 7.7 .7 billion rand, which includes the investment of Post Bank of 3.5 billion rand, the current assets of 1.7 billion rand, and the cash is negative due to the, the accumulated losses and the loss position for the period. And the SAPA does not currently have any approved borrowings. And the accumulated loss has, has increased due to the loss position, which now stabilizes as we go to the outer years. Next slide, please. So in terms of the cash flow we see in 22 financial year, the cash flow requirements from the business is 1.9 billion rand due to the 1.5 billion rand uh, loss projected for the 21-22 financial year. And it, during the next two other years, the requirements from the business reduces as the loss position reduces. And the focus is to increase the revenue and improve the cash flow position. Thank you, Joe. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, I'll move straight to the last two slides that we got. These are the strategic outcomes uh, for this uh, new financial year. They're largely the same that we had in the previous financial year. Uh, we've just uh, in, uh, included business modernization and the digital transformation of this organization so that we can be more relevant as an organization. The last two slides here is the key performance indicators. I'll just cover a few of them. Uh, so uh, uh, 2.1, you can see we want to look at the upgrades when it comes to installing security equipment into the branches and the mail centers. The target for the year is 1,680. This is still a very key area for us to ensure that we actually provide a secure environment for our customers and for our employees, and also we can reduce some of the costs that we spend when it comes to PIT. We also want to uh, improve in our properties and optimize the various properties that we have in the organization. We want to reduce some of the costs that we have there, but about 265 million rand uh, uh, during this financial year. Very importantly, uh, uh, GN committee is 3.1, where we want to uh, look at how we can resolve uh, these various uh, um, queries that we get from customers within a seven-day period, and we want to try and drop that a little further so we can do it faster, that we can respond to the customer. Um, uh, one of the important things, 4.3 J, is to roll out the IPF equipment. Uh, this will better support what we're doing in terms of tracking of parcels for customers. Uh, uh, on the last slide now, J, uh, here we still have our digital on 5.2 and 5.3. We want to look at implementing these digital solutions and the omni-channel so that we can ensure we have digital offering of products and services to meet the needs of our customers. Uh, one of the important things to ensure that we improve implementation We've included 6.3 uh, to look at uh, how we can monitor the implementation of initiatives uh, that have been planned so that we can have a successful uh, improvement in terms of the results and the planned strategy within the organization. You can see in 7.2, we got the amendment of the Act there where we had to give contributions. And 7.1, lastly, Chair and Committee, to improve the audit outcome by resolving the material audit findings, category A, so that we can include audit findings and improve the overall environment of control within the post office and the audit outcome for the 2021 financial, uh, 2022 financial year. Chair and committee, I thank you. That's the presentation comes out. Thank you. Okay.
Uh, honorable members, uh, I would now, without waste of time, uh, use the time that's uh, left for us to really engage with the presentations. You would uh, ask any presentation and the response would be in the order uh, that they, the entities uh, presented. Uh, I note Honorable Fak, Honorable uh, Fandam, uh, Honorable uh, McKinsey, I have also Honorable Mbele. Um, I don't see other hands. Uh, Honorable Kubek will be last. I just want to check if I am leaving any hand, uh, committee secretary, other than the ones I've been able to recognize. Thank you, Okay, so we'll uh, then proceed in that order, Honorable Fagu, followed by Honorable Fandam, uh, Honorable McKenzie, Honorable Mbele, then Honorable Kubeka. In that order. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Greetings to yourself, to the Minister, Deputy Minister, Honorable Members, and the Chairpersons of Board and the team from all the entities that I am. Um, Chair, first of all, let us appreciate the presentations that you have received. Uh, I have a few questions for the SAPC, Chair and Sabo. My first question is, Chair, I see that um, about uh, uh, 500 million that was spent on content by, by the SAPC, or let's say it's 50% of what they have received from them, from Treasurer. That money was invested in content. Um, but when we were getting uh, the results, we were told that uh, the forecast for revenue will be a break even. I just want to understand what are the reasons there for. Um, and, and there's also uh, uh, the issue of the budget for advertising growth for 2022. Um, the, the, the 20% which was, which was, um, 20% which was, it will not be attainable. I just want to understand what is the problem in, with regards to that. And how far is the process with the signal cost of with Centec? I think we as a committee were even requested at least Centec to open those discussions between Centec and, and the SAPC. And, and I also see that the process for the analog switch on, um, the presentation is also indicating that the process is slow. I would want to understand what are the reason thereof. And then I see that the SABC3 remains a, a, a loss, making loss over the MTF. There were some proposals that were made by the SABC with regards to SABC3. I just want to check how far is that process, Chair. <clears throat> and then uh, the opening remarks from the CEO from SAPO. We appreciate and welcome you. And we have listened carefully uh, of the commitments that we, we have made. And I think as a committee, we will hold you responsible uh, for the commitments that you have made. Some of the commitments that you are making is the improvement of the audit report, looking into creditors. That, uh, so those are the things. And I think it's important that um, <clears throat> one must highlight that you are saying that 
we have done a customer survey in February 2020 to March. I just want to understand how was this survey done? Because I want to believe during that time it was when the COVID levels were very high in the country. What methodology did you use? And I see also your delivery standard <clears throat> has increased. You are currently sitting at 89%. And then your courier delivery, delivery matrix implemented has increased. Um, um, that has increased again there. I think it's important, especially on, on, when you, on services like this, it's something that where you are generating most of the revenue, I think that is where you really need to improve in terms of your customers' satisfaction. Uh, I think that is where really you need to improve. These are the areas that you need to tackle. I see also that you are mentioning that you have improved on your security features and branches. Uh, perhaps if you can, I don't know if I'll be more administrative to say, out of the challenges that you had in the past, let's say out of 90 security issues, how many out of those 90 were resolved? And I also see that you are saying that labor has remained stable and we have a, a headcount that was reduced of 1,871. Perhaps this is something where other entities can learn from. What have you done? Because we have this was not like sometimes when when you reduce the headcounts, sometimes it becomes a problem. Uh, you know the issue of retrenchment and all of this. What method have you used to make sure that um, people don't panic when it comes to this? And then. Yeah, so how do, like how did you implement it without having any conflicts? Let us appreciate also the appointment of six regional managers. Um, <clears throat> and then you are also mentioning that um, there are uh, critical executive positions that will be filled in. Can we perhaps get time frames for that? Um, for that um, I see that your mail delivery standard has improved in 2019. 2020, and this is where you are generating most of your revenue. So what I wanted to say, uh, basically, to say that in such areas as well, that where you are really making an impact in terms of revenue, this is where you need to improve in terms of innovation, you know, technology and other ways to improve on this one. And then your expenses have exceeded your, your revenue. So how would you come out of this? What do you think will be the solution of this? And then you are also saying that your motor licensing has improved and uh, improved by 27 million. So what I want to understand, even with this, you know, when you go to the post offices, sometimes you stand in long, long queues. So when your customer, when you are able to generate some revenue, the, at least there must be a way on how your clients are satisfied. And then I see that you have a 42% of your staff survey that you have done in terms of, so how would you improve that from that to uh, like increasing to that? But also I hear that um, um, some of the landlords that were renting from are complaining about you not paying rent on time and all of those things. So I want to check how are you going to improve. Uh, thank you, Chair. I'll stop here for now.
Honorable Fandam, you are recognized. Thank you, Honorable. <clears throat> Thank you, Chairperson. Um, let me just say from a kind of broad stroke level to say it is quite comforting that the SABC says it will break even. And I think our biggest concern last year was because of the financial implications of COVID and the decline in advertising that they could make serious losses and possibly be requesting another bailout so that they've been able to avoid that is really great news. Because what we've always said is that we want the SABC to break even, profit would be great, but we just don't want a situation where they keep coming back for um, bailouts. Um, I certainly hope that the concerns we had last year about strife on the SABC board, um, hope those have been resolved and we won't have to have another meeting with different factions of the SABC board presenting different reports. So I hope that has been dealt with. And from the minister's presentation, it certainly sounds that she um, and the deputy minister are working well with the SABC. Now, the presentation raises a number of red flags um, that are quite concerning. Now, while advertising is the bulk of the SABC's revenue, um, I see that there's a evasion rate of 75% with TV license fees. Now that's no small amount, it's 75%. So it's either historically um, the payment of TV license fees have, has had to do with um, public perceptions of the SABC. So I don't know whether that 75% is a decrease or an increase, but regardless, the method of collection is not working. Um, and that is something that needs to be reconsidered. 75% um, is a crazy amount. Um, there is an increase in, broad in broadcast costs by 50%, um, which is very worrying. Um, I, at least, and the committee has repeatedly raised the issue of the unfunded mandate. So I'm going to do so again. We're going into an election year where, you know, the SABC is under obligation to broadcast um, rallies of parties, oversight visits, campaign stops, which costs a lot of money. And over the last year, they've had to cover briefings by the president, by ministers. We are possibly going into a third wave. There's going to be even more of those. Um, I'm glad that the minister is present here because I haven't been able to get a very clear answer about this. Um, is there money going to be for the unfunded mandate or not? Because it is unfair on us as parliament to say, look, you've made a loss. But at the same time, we do not push for the so-called unfunded mandates to be budgeted for. Um, and I think this is an issue we've raised repeatedly and it's time we got a clear answer um, regarding what's happening. I mean, uh, the last meeting, the last time we met, we said the SABC and the minister must meet with Treasury and this is something where a solution must be found. So just to be fair in our oversight as well. So 
where are we on the unfunded mandates? Um, SABC mentions as a constraint the slow pace of legislation and regulation. Um, it is very worrying that years later we must carry regulations as something that still hasn't been resolved. I don't think it's a hugely complex matter, and I suppose this is something that uh, ECOSA needs to answer for. But why is that taking so long? If the SABC can give us their perspective, um, I don't understand why that is something that has been completed. I remember when the interim board came into office, that was one of the issues that they were quite um, adamant about tackling. So where are we with that? Um, and then the sports broadcasting regulations. Now, I think that is also a matter that needs um, closure. I mean, going into, this quite likely going to be the Olympics. The last I read that, that the Olympics are going to go ahead. And, you know, South Africans will want to see when, will generally want to watch the Olympics, but particularly when um, South Africans are competing. Um, now, we all know that the matter of sports rights is a very difficult terrain. It's literally about who has the deepest pockets and um, can afford to buy sports rights. And we know the SABC is a public broadcaster and they don't have very deep pockets. And one of the obligations that the draft sports, sports um broadcasting regulations had was that they were obliged to to kind of somehow find the money to purchase sports rights and um for rights that they could quite possibly not uh, be able to afford and competing with dstv that actually has the money to afford those so that was just something that is just practically an impossibility and just from the SABC side, the update on that and um, where they see, where, where they would like, what they would like the regulations to look like at the end in terms of what they can afford, but also in terms of their role as a public broadcaster and making sure that the public can view major sporting events, especially international ones, ones that grow social cohesions and uh, pride in our country. Um, that's what sporting events um, tend to do. So it's important that we have clarity from the SABC regarding what they would like. And then the amendment to the Broadcasting Act that is something also that's been spoken about for years. And I think one key area in the Broadcasting Act that needs to be very clear is um, firstly what is mentioned in the audiovisual white paper. And now will the amendments to the Broadcasting Act now await the process of the white paper on the audiovisual white paper. So are the ultimate amendments that are brought to us going to be after that process has been completed? Because the audiovisual white papers 
white paper includes a lot of proposal that require the amendment of the Broadcasting Act. So is it something that we must still await? Um, because I know in annual performance plans, it's this year will bring the amendment to the Broadcasting Act and never happens. So I think we just need to be given a realistic picture of where that is, um, at least from where I'm sitting. Um, and the process that still needs to take place with the audiovisual white paper, I don't see it as something that's going to happen very soon. So I think we just need to some honesty in that regard about where that is. Um, the streaming platform. So there was a lot of talk about that at the SABC about where we were told that that's being built, um, but there isn't much detail in the APP about that. Is that something now the SABC has abandoned? Um, because we've always spoken about the need for the SABC to innovate um, in order to survive um, and in order to break even and possibly make a, a profit. And that was one of the key proposals that we supported about establishing the streaming platform, um, which would be a separate and unique offering to what is out there. Um, that's not included in the APP. Is it something that you're no longer doing? Or is it something that's just you can't afford? What's the story? I mean, it was next year, last year, it was hurrah. Um, SABC streaming platform is coming. And um, SAPO, um, the issue of the decoders um, and the storage costs. Um, do you still continue to store decoders um, at what cost to the department? Um, if I could just get that figure. Um, is it still the same amount of decoders if the decoder is decreased? And how much are you charging for the storage? Um, thanks, Chair. Honorable McKenzie, I recognize you. Um. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Good evening to you. Good evening to the Minister. Nice to see you again. Um, colleagues, colleagues from the SAPA, SABC, um, all protocol observed. Uh, if I can just start with the, with the South African Post Office. Um, and firstly, if I can just welcome the new CEO, Ms. Mona. Um, I did have the, um, the opportunity to, to Google you and, and see your background. And you've got quite a sterling track record in um, in business. Can I just ask you what what attracted you, what tempted you to take this this position as CEO with the South African Post Office? Um, then, in terms of your back to basics approach, you know, <laughs> at this stage, all I can say is, in terms of back to basics, how about delivering mail? Because that is what the South African Post Office should be doing. But let me ask you this question, or these questions. How many turnaround plans has the Southern Post Office tabled before, uh, before Parliament, before these, this committee, since 2014? So that's in the last seven years. 
How many turnaround plans have we seen? Um, then a second question, how many bailouts have been given to the post office since 2014? Um, if, you can, if you can give me the years and the bailouts or you can give me a total number, I really don't mind. Um, and uh, the value of those, those bailouts over the last seven years would be my third question. Um, if I can just touch on the, um, the matter of, of uh, the universal service obligation. Um, I see CAS has now gone to court and I presume uh, you, you are cooperating with, uh, with the CASA in this action to enforce your mail monopoly on, it on items sub one kilo. Um, from, uh, the intention behind that monopoly was to fund the universal service obligation. And I see the universal service obligation, according to your reckoning, is 529 branches. Can you give me a value? Can you quantify what that is? Um, how much that costs you to maintain those branches? And let me tell you why. You're getting, and, and uh, this happened under Mark Barnes's watch, where I believe one of the, 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 there were two sort of revenue streams that he was, or three revenue streams that he was chasing. The one was um, uh, SASA grants, which he got right tremendously so by the looks of things. Um, uh, the, the second was, was e-commerce, and certainly you're working, you're working on that. And the third was a universal service obligation subsidy. Um, and I believe he got government to agree to that. And I think last year or the year before, you got 250 million as the first universal service obligation subsidy. Now, my question is this. If you're getting a subsidy from government for a universal service obligation, why do you need a mail monopoly? Why do you need to enforce that mail monopoly? Now, my second question around the mail monopoly is this. If you are patently unable to deliver post parcels and packaging at this moment in time, and yet other competitors in this space are able to run their business effectively, and I look at PostNet as an example, um, even in the middle of a COVID epidemic, they were operating. Um, why are these businesses able to compete and you're not. And, then, and let me tell you why you're not able to compete. You had the Courier Freight Group, which, were, which, which ran the post office speed services service. And it was a very good service. And that went into liquidation. So that was liquidated. And the, the assets were bought and then put back into the post office as a division. You're now going to the South African uh, public and the South African market and you're saying, give us all your courier business below one kilogram. And we will deliver it for you in exactly the same way or as efficiently as, as the private sector commercial companies are doing at the moment. But your track record says you cannot do that. You cannot run a courier, uh, a, a courier operation. You tried that before and you ended up with that, that operation in liquidation. So can you tell me your thinking around how you're going to compete in the commercial space with these courier companies who are rendering a fast and efficient service? Um, then uh, uh, another question, please, around your staff. And I'm sorry, you, you presented a certain picture to this committee of a post office that's healthy and motivated and vibrant, and you were very quick over the financials, and I don't blame you, um, because they're a horror to look at. And let's be honest. Um, you have staff sitting in your organization that, that, that are demotivated. I can't blame them. Um, their medical aid stipends haven't been paid, unless you can tell me that you have caught up with those. Uh, their pension contributions have been deducted from their salaries, but they don't reflect in their pension accounts. 
So can, can you confirm for me that the pension amounts you're deducting from your employees, you're actually putting into the pension fund? Or are you holding that back like you are with the salary increases and the medical aid contributions? Have you managed to sort that out? Um, I think your staff would like to know. Then can you tell me how many post offices, as we speak, um, are closed for non-payment of rent? A couple of weeks ago, I heard 56 post offices being closed. If you could just confirm that for me. Then if you could tell me when these post offices are closed, there's an amount of mail that's sitting behind those locked doors. And people can see their mail. And it's registered items, it's medicines, it's all sorts of important documents. How do people collect their documents once a landlord has locked the post office? And if you tell me that the only way they're going to get their document is when you pay your bills, when are you going to pay those bills? Because people want to know, I, I get these mails all the time and I have no answers for, for, for your customers. Neither do you, by the way. Um, so I was hoping that you could give them in this meeting. You talk about values being convenience, trust, and reputation. My son today went to two post offices. He went to the Leaping Frog in Lone Hill, and he went to Cedar Square. Both of those post offices have no power. They have no power because you haven't paid the electricity bill. How is that convenient, trustworthy, or, or, or how does that enhance your reputation as an entity? And you want to deliver every mail item below one kilogram. Can you tell me also, do you have any open SIU investigations into the post office or have you got any completed SIU investigations that have, that have yet to be released? Um, then another question. The minister, when you opened up, minister, you mentioned that the SAPA will contract an external party um, to devise yet another strategic turnaround plan. Um, I presume that that comes on top or on the back of this corporate plan that was tabled today. Can you tell me who... Who is this uh, company or person that's being tasked to, to deliver this, this STP? I always assumed that this was a board responsibility. Um, who is this? What is the cost? And when is this strategic turnaround plan likely to be delivered? And what are the implications on this versus the corporate plan that you've tabled before the committee today? Um, then if I could just have a little bit of clarity, please, because I think there's, there's a lot of confusion around this, certainly as far as I'm concerned. And if I'm confused, I'm sure many people are. The postbank separation from the South African post office, as I understand it, it is all, the postbank is all that stopped the post office from being declared bankrupt, posting multi-billion rand losses year after year. But the balance sheet was always solid because you had the post office on the balance sheet. What happens when you remove the postbank from the post office from April 2020? Now, as I understand it, and with my limited financial understanding, that renders the SAPO bankrupt. Now, if that's the case, and if the SAPO is bankrupt, and you know it's going to be bankrupt, then I must draw your attention, Ms. Mona, and the director of the South African Post Office, to Section 22.1 of the Companies Act of 2008, which says a company can, cannot carry on its business recklessly or negligently, and any director of a company is liable for any loss, damage, or cost sustained by the company as a direct or indirect consequence of the director having done so. So, in other words... The, a director would have a duty to pass a resolution for a company's business rescue or alternatively wind up or liquidate the company. As soon as they become knowingly aware that the company is either financially distressed or is trading in insolvent circumstances. Now, all the directors are aware of this, as is the minister and as are all of we. The post office is financially distressed and it's trading insolvently. Its expenses way outstrip its revenue. So you have the, the, the Companies Act to deal with. In the absence of any funding from government, and I haven't heard of anything here or in the media, 
How is the post office, by any metric, trading solvently? And isn't it time for business rescue as a matter of urgency? Um, and, and Minister, I'd appreciate an answer on that one. Then, um, if I can just turn to the presentations directly, Mr. Ruffin, thank you very much for, for your, your presentation. With all due respect to you, sir, and I, I, I don't mean any disrespect, I've seen and heard this before, more times than, than, than I can think of. And, and every time somebody comes in new and fresh, with, with full of vim and vigor and hope, then we buy into this because we recognize the strategic importance of the South African Post Office as the Democratic Alliance, as an opposition party. We have always supported the committee, the government, and the South African Post Office. But frankly, we've run out of that. We have no, we, we've run out of rope. We have no more, no more time for the South African Post Office um, because we have literally seen and heard all these presentations before. When I look at the financial projections ahead for a year or two or three, I don't even read them because I know exactly that they're, they're some such figures. Um, and you know that, and I know that. And let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Um, in terms of revenue increases for, for two years ahead, you, you, you've said revenue will increase based on, on, on statutory increases. And, and I get that, you know, the, the price of a stamp goes up. Um, but you've done that based on, on, on the previous year's revenue, and you just increased it by so much and, and, and put that figure in the financials. Um, yet in your, in, in, your, in, your, in your annual report, and I quote, you say mail revenue still remains the main contributor, but on a steady decline due to traditional mail substitutions. So you've acknowledged in your annual report that, that your, your traditional mail is declining, and yet you're putting it up as an increase in your, in your revenue for two years ahead. Makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, in terms of the security at your branches, you know, I opened up, I have eight emails open. I was gonna read, I, I'll take all night. I was gonna read you sections from that email about rats, about urine, about broken post office, about insecure areas, about informal traders, about vagrants, about littering, about filth, about broken air conditioners, about an endless list uh, where, where post offices are open. So I wanna know if you're working on security, if you can't even maintain the post office environment, how, how are you gonna do any of this other stuff? So can you just tell me what security measures you put in place? How many branches you've secured with the security? Um, that's my first question. My second question, who supplied the fiber network for the, um, uh, the 1,300 branches that were connected? Um, and who is looking after that, that network? Then uh, my colleague, Anvo Van Dam, touched on the, uh, um, the units, the, uh, the set-top boxes. Uh, I see in, in the one presentation you say you have 860,000 units. Is that number correct? Um, we had presentations this morning from, from ICASA and, uh, and, and they were talking about a shortage of set-top boxes. So, so when I said you had all the surplus and you were just dying to get rid of it, the two sort of statements didn't, didn't make any sense to me. So if you can just confirm that for me, please. Um, then... Mr. Governor, you're the, the 735 million from social grants, whose who's ever idea it was to bring social grants into the South African Post Office and into government, that revenue, that was inspired. 
And whoever that person was should get a medal. Because if you took that money out, boy, would the Southern Post Office be in trouble. Now I want to know this. When you separate the post bank from the post office, what happens to that revenue? I presume it goes to the, the post bank and not the post office. Perhaps you could confirm with me and how you would intend to make that, make that up. Then um, in terms of your, your corporate plan for 21-22, I'll be very quick, Chairperson. Um, the mission, vision, and values that, that you put up there, it's, it's completely dissonant with, with the post office. You talk about a reputation, completely dissonant with the post office that, that we all know and, and used to love. Um, your communication with suppliers. Don't communicate with your suppliers, just pay them. Just pay them. I've got open emails here. Again, I'm not going to read them all in, but I've got all these open emails from suppliers that are owed 700,000, 2 million for essential services that they render to the post office and have absolutely no idea when they're going to get paid. No idea. So if you, could, if you could maybe give an indication there. Then when Mr. Mark Barnes was CEO, um, he introduced the concept of this EMOR. This was, was his big thing. And I was a little bit cynical at the time. And since then, we've seen Take A Lot. We've seen uh, uh, West. We've seen... Um, oh, they're, 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 there's so many of these... I've used an online mall, and it's called I Love Four Ways, and it's a Facebook page, but it's an online mall. So if you want to sell something, you post it up there, and you can sell it quite easily. Um, there's a company called Venzi eMall that launched a little while ago, uh, and Jan Parsons were the guys who launched this thing. It's, it's, it's up and running and kicking. So while you're still talking about an eMall, there are lots and lots of players that are setting these up all over the place. And you're, and you're touting this as some sort of white knight on a horse that's going to come and rescue the post office. Can't see it. Your competitors are way ahead of you. They're way out of the starting blocks on, on, on this one. Um, you've said you're going to acquire funding. Now, what funding are you going to acquire and how are you going to acquire this funding? Um, thank you, Chairperson. I will leave it there for the moment. Thank you. Um, uh, and good evening to everyone um, on the platform. Sorry, I was just finalizing my my last question of my notes, I thought we still had Honorable um, uh, Fago ahead of me, but I'm ready to go ahead. Um, Chair, um, I'm going to uh, confine my my questions to uh, the SABC. Um, I think we are uh, quite adequately um, covered uh, by the questions posed by um, Honorable McKenzie in terms of the of the SAPO side. Um, except maybe just to mention that uh, there's there's definitely uh, a, a huge disjuncture between um, what we were presented at um, a high level um, uh, around the intentions and what what we have a sense of being the on the ground capacity reality 
um, around the post office uh, just just this morning, literally during our our morning portfolio committee meeting, I received an SMS complaint from a resident in um, in 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 Eteguini about the 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 Yellowwood post office and how the inadequate queue management leads to people urinating and defecating outside their shop. It's there's there's big issues there, but but I think we're we're all quite covered. Um, uh, from the previous questions, so Chair, I would just like to uh, uh, turn uh, to to the SABC and and pose my questions in that direction. Um, and I just have five questions, so I, I'm, I'm I'm keeping it contained um, in the interest of time. Firstly, um, on on slide on slide sixteen, um, one of the pillars uh, that were stated for uh, goal one. Uh, goal one being to achieve a financially sustainable organization. Uh, the pillar is stated as being uh, to leverage the asset portfolio um, of the SABC group, but I didn't get a sense from any of the presentation what that would entail. Um, I agree conceptually that that notion of leveraging the asset portfolio is a key one for turning around the, the financial situation and health of the SABC. Uh, so could I just ask um, for you to please unpack briefly um, and elaborate what the thinking and plans are um, in that regard? Um, and I'll just mention that, you know, I've, I've, I've been having this uh, sort of growing intuition around how possibly the future space for the SABC uh, might be less around sort of being a traditional uh, and 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 straightforward broadcaster, um, and and perhaps leveraging the the assets it has around uh, migrating to being more of a, a content production services hub platform, or whatever the right word might be. So I'm I'm really keen to to hear what that thinking entails around the leveraging of um, asset portfolios. Um, uh, second chair, um, still on slide 16, um, another pillar of of that uh, goal to achieve financial sustainability <clears throat> was given as being to enhance uh, TV license fee collection. Um, and the revenue projections that were given on slide 23 speak to that. Um, but we know that uh, TV license fee collection has been a chronic challenge uh, for the SABC. Um, Honorable Van Damme also, also uh, referenced the, the, the under collection uh, figure that was, that was given. Uh, and so it's likely to remain that chronic challenge for the foreseeable future. So those projections do seem rather ambitious. Um, and without wanting to, to be a negative Nancy uh, or to dampen uh, the SABC's outlook in improving um, that aspect, what gives you the confidence that these projections are, are feasible um, and that enhancing the license fee collection will in fact uh, be realized as, as stated or at least approximated uh, to that. Um, thirdly, Chair, um, there was mention uh, uh, several times actually, and even in the presentation, um, 
of increasing competition um, um, in the broadcast space uh, and therefore the resulting financial pressures on the SABC. Um, and that theme very much echoes what we heard as the committee from uh, Broadband Infraco this morning. Um, and really it's, it's, it's not surprising at all because that's an endemic challenge that will be faced by any uh, public company or organization that's providing some kind of uh, commercial service. Um, especially where private business is providing a more compelling uh, or convenient value offer. Um, and in that case, all that happens is that customers vote with their cash, you know. Um, now, uh, goal six on, on slide 21 speaks to the intention of pursuing strategic and sustainable partnerships. Um, but again, there, there's no sense from, from the presentation what that would entail. So linking these two issues of Increasing competition, financial pressure, and the and the intention of, of of pursuing partnerships. I'd like to pose the question that I asked to to BBI this morning, also to the SABC um, and the minister about the possibility and the opportunity uh, uh, to harness and leverage additional resources and and value uh, for the SABC mandates. Namely, if there's any thinking around or scope for taking uh, a consortium approach to that content production and broadcast mandates um, with the onboarding of uh, private sector equity partners in some form or another. Um, I know that there's, there's often huge uh, allergy to, to, to the word privatization, so I'm not going to go anywhere near there. But we do know that there, there is value and there's ongoing talk in other spaces around uh, strategic and deliberate, thoughtful uh, 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 linking up with private sector equity partners in some form. So I really want to table that and, and get um, a response. Uh, fourthly, Chair, um, on slide 10, um, uh, we were shown a figure of uh, a 29, mil 29 million uh, people audience a week for radio uh, versus 29 million a month for TV. Um, and as a sidebar, I believe very strongly in the idea of organizations having a clear understanding and grasp of what their core competencies and unique value add um, are. Um, and I think those figures and the contrast between them certainly points to that with regard to the SABC. Uh, just let you know, how are those figures determined? Um, and, and in particular, how, how does the 29 million viewers a month figure for SABC TV relates to the channel figures uh, that were broken down and given on slide 13. Because basically the question that comes up or came up for me was that if the SABC is at almost, uh, sorry, if, if, if SABC one uh, is at almost 24 million viewers on average a week, how is it that the average across five channels is only 29 million a month? Uh, that might have been a typo, and if so, if so, we need clarity. But those figures just weren't adding up when you were comparing weekly versus monthly, um, and channel breakdown versus the the global figure. <clears throat> and then my final quick question, uh, still in the in the TV news space, 
Um, slide 32 details that, uh, th- that news uh, accounts for 40% of, of costs. Um, and slide 13, uh, to go back to that, reported an average weekly audience of uh, 7.4 million viewers for the SABC News channel. So my two questions simply are, what proportion or percentage of the overall news uh, delivery cost structure does the SABC News Channel specifically comprise? Um, and then linked to that, uh, could we uh, be, be told, maybe it was uh, tabled previously before I joined the committee, but what actually is the unique value add of the SABC News Channel um, as, a, as a particular uh, sort of cost structure? Um, given that there are the, the 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 news bulletins carried on the on the free to air channels, um, and and is there a, uh, a a meaningful and compelling um, uh, ROI for the SABC news channel? Um, uh, because this is not in any way to uh, diminish or demean or negate the the caliber and and the work and the diligence and the quality of contents on the channel itself, um, the, the, the people who work there and what they produce, um, um, to my observation, has never been uh, in, in, in question. I'm asking a contextual question about the SABC News Channel in relation to financial pressures, the need for reform, rationalization, and whether it is, it is, it is the most aligned to the ANC, to the SABC's uh, uh, core competencies and 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 true value-adding mandates at this time, um, because you know uh, sometimes one does wonder whether the the SABC news channel is 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 not more about uh, the SABC being shown to put up an equal footing to. You know, it's uh, the 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 e news channel, uh, just so that it, it can be said not just Konala. You know, um, so can I please just get some some uh, substantive and 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 compelling um, rationale in that regard? Thank you, Chairperson. Honourable Mbele, may I uh, just uh, check before Honourable Kubeka, who was number last? I did get a message sent here by Honourable. Uh, Faku, that as she was concluding, she she lost the uh, network. I just want to check if she's back, uh, so that she can conclude the points that she wanted to make, and then give Honourable Kubega. I'm also looking at the time that we may not uh, get back to second round of questions, uh, because we also need responses uh, on the questions that would have been asked. Honorable Faku, are you back? Yes, Chair. Sorry, Chair. Yes, I you just can have. Your point. Thanks, Chair. Just to two or one more question. Chair, can um, it is also no also noteworthy that the SABC plans to settle its invoices within an average of 120 days, given the financial and cash flow status of the SABC is expected to increase over the medium term, 
the main challenges that will restrict the SAPC to pay invoices within 30 days as prescribed by the National Treasury? Uh, that is one of the questions that I'm um, Chair. And the second last one, what are the strategic opportunities that are currently being exploited by the public processor within the digital media space as well as the threats and weaknesses that may exist within the broadcasting sector, given the implication of COVID-19 in the broadcasting sector? Um, and how is the SAPC going to respond to this diagnosis or factor? And the last one, Chair, I, I raised this one. I think that, that is where that I had net, network connection. In line with the content investment already been made and the plans to broadcast newly acquired programs, how does the SAPC plans uh, to achieve the maximum returns from the content investment given channel capacity challenges that are currently confronting the SAPC, especially the SAPC-3. Those are my last questions. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Fago. And I will recognize Honorable Kubega. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, greetings to Minister and her team, and also greetings to the two entities that are here today. Uh, with the boards also as they are managed to come and uh, have this presentation. Indeed, we are appreciating on that side. Uh, also, let me apologize on the side of the camera uh, chair. You know, I'm in the village. I'm having a serious challenge when coming to the issue of the network. Uh, chair, maybe let me start by... Thank you, uh, Yes. No, I was just saying thank you, Honorable Kubeka. That's understandable, and your photo is correct today. Thank you. Okay, thanks okay. very much, Chair. Uh, let me start by Sapo to say, indeed, based on these challenges that uh, the committee is raising on the side of Sapo, on their presentations, hence we are having uh, uh, the side of the APP and also the annual report of 2019-2020. Indeed, it shows you that uh, in, in that annual report, they were having uh, 11 uh, KPIs that they were supposed to, 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 to achieve, plus those six ones that they've managed to achieve. But you can see that uh, in that report, they didn't work very well. We are saying we have noted uh, at that side of saying 11 KPIs, is too much. It was better if it was supposed to be on that side of, of, of money, achieving uh, 11 instead of achieving six. But we are saying based on those even conditions that were there by then, we will say we will, we will take it into considerations. But indeed, as in this financial year, they have put their APPs and they are themselves who are saying they want to achieve or they are themselves who are saying they want to turn around the issue of SAPO. And indeed, there are serious challenges on that side, but hopefully so, we will say we will be watching and moving with them in this uh, financial year in order that we can see that indeed, because, uh, Chair, we are not talking about uh, a rents and cents here. I think you can hear when coming to the issue of the budget, 
we are talking about billions. So we are expecting to say in those billions, we want to see a service delivery chain. But can I just ask on the side of SAPO to say, is it possible also maybe to have on their side the, the, the CETA in order that maybe on the side of the systems, CETA must come in and assist uh, in order to make the environment uh, to be easier and to be conducive on that side when coming to the issue of service delivery. So I'm just asking that question to just to understand you to say on the side of the systems, because I don't see or think it will be difficult to in order to come and rescue all, all on the side of the systems, because it is also one of the uh, sisterly entity that we are working with. And also I can hear that the chairperson have already raised to say, indeed, they have been affected on a seriously so on the issue when a, a, a post bank uh, were being separated with SAPO. So you'll imagine on the side of the balance sheet to say what is happening on that side. But I can hear today, she is very clear to say, uh, let the compensation be there because they never been compensated whilst uh, that decision has been taken on the issue of separating the post bank on the side of SAPO. Uh, and then uh, let me come to this one, uh, Chair, to say, indeed, we are no longer willing to have uh, listening the story on the side of the STBs. But I hope that maybe today they can give us maybe a turnaround plan also on that side to say at least up to now, how far are they on that side of the STBs? I hope they, they, they are having a plan that they can uh, manage to easy that side of the STBs because now it's a long time when we are busy discussing about those issues of set of boxes chair. Uh, let me come to the side of the SABC. On the side of the SABC, I'm just having a question to say. Uh, we had a, a, a GTEC that have managed to work with SABC in order to assist SABC on the side of turning uh, around the SABC. Can I just ask to the SABC to say, uh, did they yield a positive uh, a results on the side of working with the GTEC there? Or did uh, GTEC bring some positive results in order to make a success on the side of the SABC when they were having this plan to say they want to turn uh, things around on the side of SABC? And also let me come on the side of SABC to say, uh, as they have managed now to say they've retrenched 621, are they saying on that side now, are they going to be stable on the side of their finances? They will at a no stage where the SABC will, will raise the challenges because now it was an outcry when coming to that side, even if uh, we were never uh, 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 had that uh, final answer of that 621. We were having something different on the side of the uh, SABC whilst they were presenting in this committee uh, on the side of the retrenchment. 
Can SABC say on the side of the audit, are they happy at this moment? And what results are they having on the side of the audit at this present moment as APC? Those outcomes, are you saying now they are convincing to say you are going somewhere or up to now you are still saying you still need to be given a chance also to push or to try to change on that side of the audit, of the audit outcome? Let me come to this one of the content of SAPC. Indeed, even the government have managed to give a support on the side of the SABC while they were presenting. Are you saying on that support at this, at this present moment, the results that you are having on the side of the content, are you convinced to say you are changing you are coming with the positive results or you can just say indeed again in that huge amount that you are presenting to us often half a million are you saying no still you still need want a support on in order that we can say things are turning around on the side of the content of the of the sapc those were the questions that i want just to post on the side of SAPC chair. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable uh, Kubeka. I take it that you've completed, uh, but not lost the uh, connection uh, in the village there uh, of parliament. Am I audible? Yes, yes, you are audible. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I take it that you've, you've concluded. Uh, I'm looking, uh, of course, uh, honorable members at the time. And, and in that score, I would be giving space for responses. But because we may not have an, another opportunity to get back, I'll just lift up a few uh, questions asked just uh, for the minister and uh, the entities as they respond comprehensively, they could also take that into account. With regard to the SABC, I think it's a point raised by Honorable Kubeka of saying this number or, or that number. I take it that if the processes have now concluded, we should as a committee be given uh, exact information as opposed to what we get briefed uh, through the media uh, so, we are, so that we are sure on the figures that you are giving us as savings as a result of that process. Uh, how many workers would have been affected by this? And I know that at some point when we asked the department about interventions, uh, it was a point of waiting for processes to be complete, uh, whether it's retraining or redeployment of people elsewhere. Um, they were waiting for this for the process to be complete. So I think we should be uh, taken to confidence as a committee, but more importantly, given accurate uh, uh, 
uh, figures, uh, of course, informed by our resolution as the committee that uh, retrenchment would have been the last resort after everything else has been explored. Uh, so so there's, there's no inconsistency in, in, in that as, as one asked this question. Just again on a point I think raised by Mbele, uh, uh, but asked differently in relation to assets and revenue that gets generated from that. Uh, just again on, on that point, um, like other members would receive messages from constituents, we are equally uh, uh, being in touch with com- uh, constituencies or receive uh, this information uh, on different matters. And in this regard, I want to raise a point about the assets, the sale of assets in the CPC as a way of uh, looking at deficiencies and as well as trying to raise revenue uh, out of that. I think in the Northwest in particular, there's been this matter of uh, civil society uh, mobilizing. Uh, and I'm in particular talking to an audio that uh, would have been sent uh, from Sanko. I think in the main raising, uh, two or three points. One being that uh, in those properties, you would have had SABC employees who who would have been in the properties. And in the process of consultation, they argue that there would have not been consultation, including right of first refusal, um, as people would have invested on time and all that. So it's important to clear those um, uh, for the also for the committee. Second point being raised is an issue of public participation as required by law, uh, and that they argue that that would have also not happened as a result on two occasions. One uh, was an occasion where they would uh, block that from happening, uh, more physically blocking. But uh, secondly, on a court matter, uh, without discussing the, the merits and demerits of the court matter at, at the high court, uh, there was an indication that they are also joining uh, the high court uh, matter in defense of the public on the basis that the law has not been followed. I think it's important to keep the committee abreast of those issues and, of course, allay the fears that uh, they may be breaking off the law as we try to uh, do something um, as public institutions. So that, that's very important. And I'm sure they are following uh, the discussion uh, in that regard. Maybe the other point really is that from one physical meeting we had long before uh, COVID, uh, the SABC in looking at this point of assets, uh, they were to look also at the stations and, and all that. And I remember it very well, the advice of the committee on that matter, was that uh, whatever you do, please be sensitive uh, that, yes, there may be no revenue generated in some of uh, these stations, but very important in our nation building uh, project and uh, respecting diversity uh, in the country. Uh, and there was commitment that uh, uh, that would be looked at. Now I'm raising this question 
on the basis of what we see in the media. Of course, in the absence of information, it's left to different interpretations uh, where a number of, uh, uh, whether it's offices, whether uh, it's the stations themselves seem to be closing up in the consultation. And then you see traditional leadership also rising in protest. And, and the worry I think we should be having as the committee is whether that could not reverse the gains made uh, in ensuring that the unity of the country is preserved that takes into account diversity. So, so as you respond, if you can uh, speak to that. On SAPO, I, I just wanted to check, uh, including yourself, Minister, if you can give a sense of direction here, that the amendments that have been put, um, which are in the annual report, more of uh, what has been presented in the financial statements as audited, uh, would have been carried to the annual report differently. And we are considering an annual report as submitted to parliament. And the HSA indicates that there'll probably be a resubmission in that regard. Uh, I just wanted to check whether shouldn't we be looking at the finalized report then, that the corrections uh, would have been made, including uh, the discrepancies that Honorable McKenzie was speaking to, because those are matters I think that were to be addressed by this meeting, which I thought would have resolved uh, matters so that we don't uh, prolong it much. But secondly, it's, this is also informed by the fact that the, the report we are talking about on the annual, it's 1920. Uh, which would mean uh, the 1st of April, 19, and then the end of March, 2020, which in this regard, uh, correctly, it, will, it, it, it may confuse the situation if you are bringing figures of January, 2019, as those would have belonged to another financial year and, and, and therefore changes the picture in how we look at uh, the figures, whether you talk revenue or expenditures made. So I, I just want you to keep this as you as you respond. Uh, <clears throat> again, when you look at um, the response uh, on actions for the year ahead, it would also uh, mean that that would have been 2020, 2021. And the question would be whether there's been any strides made to change the situation. And if not, at least clarify the committee so that we don't prolong a discussion that this is a matter that is still coming in this uh, current financial year, uh, necessarily because there would have not been action uh, in the 2020-2021. Of course, the pandemic would have also complicated uh, matters. So I just thought uh, it's it's important to, to, to clarify that point. Uh, just on the set of boxes and uh, and the money that uh, SAPO would have been getting through storage, and you'd want to still continue to be a warehouse uh, that could render services uh, in that regard. Just on the partnership that you presented before the committee on new set of boxes where uh, SAPO would be warehousing, but also play 
a retail uh, role in terms of that partnership, whether that is still an issue or not. Maybe the last uh, point would talk to the going concern question and the strategies that have been developed. Uh, I, would, I would want the uh, uh, minister and, and the entity just for the committee to also know the areas of support uh, that are expected from the committee. Will it be correct to come to a conclusion that necessarily whatever turnaround strategy, whether it is through uh, technical or transaction advisors that we may want to bring on board, that there will still be a need for support uh, for SAPO, whether through the fiscals, which is what would be called the bailout, uh, understanding the impact of the separation of the post-bank, or indeed, uh, like it is already said, uh, whether that is also dependent on compensation for the investments that SAPO would have made uh, to the post-bank as they were looking uh, into, into the future. Uh, so that at least we are clearer in the way we assess the ability of uh, SAPO turning itself uh, around, that it will not be something that will just happen. Probably there are dependencies in that regard, but we would want uh, those to come from yourselves so that we know which areas we would need uh, to support uh, in that regard. So as you respond, if you can also touch those uh, uh, as a way of comprehensively responding to the questions. Uh, Ajira, you then just help us uh, that the few minutes of extension to allow uh, the entities to respond. Otherwise, it would not help to just ask questions and don't give them space to respond comprehensively. Uh, minister will be then guided by yourself whether you'd want to come in first or you'd want to leave the entities to respond and maybe at the end also try as part of intervention to close gaps that you think may need to be more clarified, uh, but will be guided by yourself in this regard. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chaperson. Uh, I'm just gonna try to start uh, in terms of responding uh, to, to the issues that affect us as the executive authority. And of course, I will leave the operational issues to the accounting authority and therefore the management of the respective um, agencies that are here. I'm going to start, Chairperson, of course, uh, thanking the honorable members for the detailed questions that were asked and certain statements in relation to the overall functionality and operations of the agencies outside the corporate plan. As I'm going to look at those, Chairperson, and, and I said the corporate plan and all those will be responded to by, 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 by the respective um, and responsible people. The, the, the question I would like to start with, Honorable Chair, on, on the issue of the SABC and the unfunded mandate, whether uh, as, as the department we have or we, we can give guarantee to the portfolio committee on the fact that we have applied or there is going to be funding uh, from national treasury for this. Let me first say this, this uh, that currently uh, the engagements that are being held uh, at official level, which are led by the DG, 
who is the accounting officer in terms of the PFMA, and those processes need to start at that level before they are escalated to the executive authority. And of course, the SAPC had submitted proposals which are being reviewed by the department and National Treasury. And once those issues, uh, honorable members, have been ironed out with the SAPC management, then a recommendation will be sent to, to the minister who is responsible for budget vote, according to the PSA and, and of course, the PFMA. And then after that period, then it may then find expression in the legislative amendment, if needs be. Of course, pending recommendations from the DG Fora, that's the DG of our department, Treasury, and, and, and others. Uh, the, the other question, uh, honorable members, that uh, relates to the work of, of the executive authority and the shareholder department uh, in line with uh, the appointment of experts, as honorable Mackenzie uh, inquires, uh, he, 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 he wants to know. Uh, the cost, who's going to be appointed or who is appointed and whether this is not the responsibility of, of the accounting authority, which in this context is the board and, 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 and the, for the alignment of the work that's going to be done. As we have said uh, previously, when we committed to the portfolio committee and the house, when we took a decision to, 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 to say we're going to intervene at SAPO by appointment of, 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 of experts. This, 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 of course, Chairperson, if we read the SAPO Act, it does make clear provisions for intervention by the minister in terms of the financial challenges that are experienced by the entity. The, 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 the law empowers the minister to undertake that. So this is not the responsibility of the board or some interference. But as I stated earlier yesterday, that we are responsible for budget vote and therefore how things are done, which therefore the accounting officer gets to be the one that monitors the spending and everything that goes with it. So the, the law does empower us to look into that, to say you can conduct an investigation uh, as the executive authority in the event that you see that um, uh, the agency is not doing well. This is why we then took a decision. And of course, honorable members, I get the concern that there's been so many turnaround plans and, 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 and everything, and, but we're still where we are at. But firstly, I just want to say the overall gist of what I'm saying is that the legislation allows us to, to do that. Of course, it is largely in our discretion to decide on the details of the intervention, as I said, as defined within the law what we can do and what we cannot do. And that process is being funded by the department, just like we had done with SABC, to say there's a need for us to get external people, hence we are appointed GTEC in the context of SABC. It is the same process that we are providing to say we want to look beyond just the lack of implementation of the turnaround plans, the fact that there's been so many bailouts that have been given, even when we make reference to what the work that has been done during by former uh, CEOs. Again, the bailouts, when they were given that specific tasks to say, we are giving you this amount, 3.8 billion, go and do IT upgrades. And those IT upgrades were not done even by those former CEOs that were there, which is what we are seeing now, a result of the failure 
of implementing that that was supposed to be done as part of the turnaround plan and of course as part of the bailout that had a specific mandate. This is why now we are saying we want to look at the critical results, what are the root causes and the other contributing factors that we find ourselves today saying there's been so many plans, but still there's no improvement. There's been so many plans, but there's no improvement. What are the reasons? Because it cannot be that it's just executives or the boards. So that's what the team is going to look in order to complement the work that is being done by the management now to say, this is how we, we plan to turn around SAPO. So this process, Aikabani, it goes hand in hand with that that is in the APP and the experts cannot come and develop an APP. They are coming to look at the areas that are, are not implementable in the APP based on, on the things that I spoke about. Therefore, they are to just come and look at that. The, 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 the overall uh, turnaround plan was approved in June 2015. That was the overall turnaround plan of the post office. And therefore, all other turnaround plans and corporate plans were drawn and aligned from that one. That was the overall. Now the current intervention is to ensure that over the overall review to reorganize and reposition in the digital era. And of course, also taking into account elements that were not there when the overall plan was developed, such as the post-bank separation. Because all of those did not envisage that. Now that we are here, these interventions that we're making, as you correctly put it, that the impact, which is what we have explained uh, several times uh, uh, in, to the portfolio committee. And, and, and as I said, the 2015 um, a plan is used as the base to develop the nuance. And of course, as, as, as I talk to this on, on, on honorable members, uh, in, in, in terms of the, of the post-bank separation, we are working hand in hand with, um, with, with National Treasury. And we, we are clear that there's a need for compensation of, of, of the post office in relation to this. So the officials, as we undertake certain processes, the Treasury and the department and some of, of, of the officials are, are from, from, from the affected agencies are involved to say, now we have not only quantified, but we have costed the impact and therefore government has to come on board, not doing a favor to post office, but to say, we do understand that you spent money in establishing and making sure that the post bank becomes functional to an extent that honorable members today are saying the removal of the post bank from the post office will have a negative impact in terms of, 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 of the value of SABC, which is true. And this is what government has committed to do in, in, in terms of, 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 of the shareholder rep ourselves and, and, the, and the national treasury. As I said to person, uh, there the, are the therefore uh, um, operational matters uh, will be dealt with by the board. But just to get into the issue, again, another question that was asked, in relation to the work that we are doing uh, in line with the audiovisual policy and, and the amendments of the Broadcasting Act. Um, th these processes are independent. On the Broadcasting Bill, uh, it deals with the governance and management of SABC only. That's the only thing. Then if you go to the audiovisual uh, policy, it deals with a broader audiovisual sector, be it public, commercial, community, and content regulatory matters. So they are going hand in hand, uh, but independent of the other, there's no need for us to say we are pausing now on this one because the other one is, 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 in, is in process. Uh, on the issue of the 
of the AG chairperson uh, um, that you asked. Uh, we've, we've got, as I said, we've received written correspondence that the report is now complete uh, with the amendments and error And of course, we are going to update the report, as, as I reported earlier. AG has confirmed that they are comfortable that the post office can finalize this report. So, so th- th- those are things that, that I can respond to in relation to, to, to the work that, that, that we are responsible for. Chairperson, with your permission, I would like to... Oh, the, the, the other question that was asked, I think it's, it's, it's Honorable Mbele, on the, on, 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 on the fact that are we considering um, equity, strategic equity partners Okay, he says he doesn't want to use privatization. Uh, we are not at this inter- at, 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 at this time. We are looking at what the board and the management of SABC has given to us in the turnaround plan to say this is how they're going to change things at SABC. And when that time comes, if we are going to need that as the shareholder rep, we will then consider everything, the impact, including an analysis if as we continue to get into uh, bringing on board these strategic equity partners, has government really gotten any value in terms of the objectives that it wants to achieve? And therefore, if we have, how do we make sure that they can be the best uh, of, of whatever uh, uh, agency in line with the, the, the mandate that the agency must, 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 must drive. So currently, as things stand, as the shoulder rep, we are not exploring any of the equity partners in relation to SAPC. Chairperson, uh, I will then hand over to the chairs or, or whoever that is delegated by the chairs of, 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 of our agencies uh, to respond to the operational matters. Thank you so much. SAPC? Thank you, Honorable uh, Chair and uh, Honorable Minister for the opportunity. And, and thank you, uh, Portfolio Committee members, for your input and, 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 and questions. In, in what I will do, I will just allocate uh, questions to the executive team because a number of questions were asked that talk to specific segment of our business. So uh, the CFO will come first, uh, Yolanda van Bellion. She will be followed by the COO, um, Mr. Plakis, and then the next one will be GE Mellon, uh, followed by Reggie on the sales side, and then the last person will be uh, Ms. Magubeni uh, on the news side. That's the order of our responses. Uh, over to you, colleagues. Thank you very much, um, my chairperson of the board, uh, honorable chairperson of the committee. Um, here with the responses to um, selected questions that I can handle. And uh, Honorable Farku, um, just to confirm that uh, as part of our pilot, we, uh, we applied for 800 million rand of content funding. We have spent practically all of that in the past 12 months. And uh, the return on investment you see in how the revenue numbers are increasing in future, it's on the back of what we believe uh, the investment allowed us to towards fresh and compelling content. Uh, and just to confirm, um, should you have observed the 500 million referred to on my slide 29, it is where I speak about cash flow. The majority of that, literally almost all of it, relates to the CapEx funding, which is funding that's been delayed uh, partly as a result of interruptions on the supply chain processes in the past year. Uh, as well as um, how we are able to uh, use internal capacity to execute on it. Uh, as far as creators' days are confirmed, 
The question, the PFMA allows us to pay 30 days from invoice or as otherwise negotiated. Um, as I indicated in my presentation, there is literally about three or four um, strategic suppliers or service providers whom we engage with uh, should we require to extend payment terms. All the other service providers and particularly um, the small to medium entities are paid uh, within 30 days from the invoice or when we process it and we therefore believe we do comply with the PFMA in this respect. Um, uh, Honourable Van Dam, you had a, a comment around the broadcast cost um, and the increase thereof. Just to confirm that the increase uh, is, a, uh, is as a result of the fact that broadcast cost bears a direct relationship to increase in revenue because we pay royalties. So the majority of that um, increase is a, as a result of the royalties that increase because we have um, our revenue increase. And then there is our audience research panel that comes on stream, as I indicated, which is also a critical deliverable in terms of our turnaround strategy. Moving on um, to Honorable Mabele, uh, as far as the turnaround strategy initiative leveraging our asset portfolio is concerned, uh, we look at our asset portfolio in two categories. There's the non-core assets. Uh, which is also related to the chairperson's questions, and I'll deal with that, uh, the chairperson's questions there in a moment. Um, but there, we have decided, having followed a process which started with an audit, a comprehensive audit of all our, uh, our um, physical properties, land and buildings, that specifically categorized our properties into non-core and core, and we are in the process currently of divesting uh, from the non-core properties, this uh, having followed uh, a, a board resolution, it is in response to a national treasury precondition. We have applied our materiality and significant framework, and in terms of the relevant PFMI sections, secured approval to proceed with these disposals. With respect to our media assets, we uh, did quite an extensive amount of work in developing a matrix, uh, we call it a framework, that uh, following a number of decision points and criteria that's weighted in terms of significance, where we categorize our media assets in terms of core versus non-core. Uh, and the goal with that activity was to ensure that we're able to uh, get more efficiencies from our assets in terms of their utilization, to secure funding opportunities should it be necessary, and where uh, opportunities present itself to seek partnerships, not equity partnerships, but partnerships in, for example, content development, etc. So that is how we look at leveraging our media assets. When it comes to news, uh, the way I understood your question, Honorable Mabele, about the cost structure, and our GE will speak more around the meaningful and compelling ROI, um, the news, uh, uh, platform contributes 710 million rand to the cost of the of the overall organization and as i indicated looking at our cost of mandate information it, it contributes 2.2 billion rand over a three-year period honorable kumbeka you had a question around positive results um, from the gtech intervention yes Absolutely so. It was a very um, constructive and, and a useful activity for ourselves to make use of the expertise um, that resides in that entity. And I think uh, what we can report here today is definitely uh, a, a, they contributed to it as well. On audit results, um, we reported a qualified with findings audit opinion in the past audit. 
The main reasons for the with finding part um, is the fact that we're still struggling to uh, to ensure that our irregular expenditure register is complete and also to avoid the non-compliances that typically presents itself in the supply chain environment. There's been an extensive amount of work invested in trying to address these two weaknesses. And we, we are really hopeful that we will be able to see the return on investment on the, the effort that has gone into that activities. Then, uh, Chairperson Manele, um, just to finalize the response on the Northwest properties, um, noting what I indicated earlier, uh, it, it maybe is just worth noting that the relationship we have with the tenants in the residential properties are that of a landlord and a, a, a less, lessor. Uh, I think, or let's see, I'm never quite sure, um, but it is then guided by a lease agreement, which was an annual lease agreement, and um, all the legal challenges to date, and, and there has been a few, we have managed to defend successfully. And as such, uh, we, and having noted the process we followed to reach the decision and the, the point where we are today, uh, we are um, still confident that we have followed the appropriate processes. Um, and at that point, I will hand over to my COO. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Chair and Honourable Members. Um, I'll take uh, some of the questions. The first one is raised by Honourable Faku, and that was in connection with the signal cost uh, from Centec. Um, so if we look at um, that, we are in final stages with uh, the discussions around that uh, with Centec. Um, we do have a mandate from our board as well to expedite that and to look at all possible ways of pursuing um, that cost reduction. So we are in those discussions at the moment. Um, in terms of uh, Honorable Van Damme's question around the Olympics, um, and the sports rights. Um, I can confirm that we have uh, acquired the rights for the Olympics and we will certainly be broadcasting the Olympics. Uh, we have also, and we are in discussions with ICASA around the regulatory review of sports rights. And that has also been included in the white paper review uh, in terms of our strategy around OTT um, you will be able to see the details of that on pages 31 and 36 of our corporate plan. It is definitely a strategic project for us. Uh, you will see the breakdown of that for this financial year as well in quarter one. We are busy finalizing uh, the approvals of that, and we hope to go to market in quarter two. In terms of uh, the chair's question around the radio stations, uh, yes, Chair, there has been uh, misinformation in the media. We have clarified that as well. And maybe just to put it on record for the PCC as well, immaterial of radio stations revenue generation, uh, whether that is positive or negative, the SABC has no plans of closing down any radio stations. In fact, the reverse is true, that we have growth plans for every single radio station. What we are doing is consolidating certain offices, and that's part of our cost-saving initiatives that is aligned to our new target operating model. Um, I can categorically state as well 
that uh, where we are consolidating uh, offices, we are not impacting the news staff and the news to be able to uh, generate uh, news from the local areas at all. Uh, so thank you very much, Chair. I hand it to um, Merlin, my colleague. Thank you very much. Uh, good evening, everyone. Um, in terms of the questions that I'm going to answer, I'm just going to, to fill in some of the blanks. Uh, I think there was a question on S3. What, what is the latest in terms of uh, that strategy? We started deploying the S3 strategy from the first Monday in April. Uh, we've already noticed, looking at the audience figures, a growth of three, 300,000 uh, new viewers on the channel. So we're already up. Uh, some of our segments are, are growing faster than others. You'll see the programming slate has changed. So the strategy is definitely in effect. We're now monitoring that with some slight tweaks. We've changed the branding as well uh, with a new payoff line of S3 open up. So definitely seeing some fruit uh, coming in there. Um, in terms of the, the revenues against the channel, it's still a bit early days. We would measure it on a monthly basis for the first quarter and review that uh, in terms of whether we need to make major pivots to the strategy. But so far, everything seems to be on track as we, we are proceeding. Uh, in terms of the digital space, what are we doing uh, projects in the digital space? We started off uh, very slowly with a refresh of the websites. So S1, 2, and 3 off of the main corporate site has been refreshed. It has a more uh, television-based look and feel, promoting the content and being driven by uh, icons and images from the, the content as, as consumers are more readily uh, uh, experienced in terms of accessing their content. The next level is to start streaming, but that ties in with our OTT strategy as well. So we're gearing up ourselves for that as we've uh, as we planned. In terms of the Olympics uh, broadcast, Ian has touched on this. The current dates set are 23rd of July until the 8th of August. We already have quite a detailed plan. What we are doing is revising the plan from a digital perspective to ensure that we do have the right uh, coverage, noting that Tokyo is seven hours ahead of South African time. So we've got to deal with the time difference and the event difference as well. So we're finalizing those plans, uh, also noting that we are operating within COVID uh, restrictions. So waiting for the Olympics committee to come back to us on the finalized schedule of events for us to proceed uh, on that one. Uh, there was a question on uh, the numbers. Uh, I'll just indicate that the numbers are a snapshot at a particular point in time. The first uh, page that referred to the total reach was based on monthly. And then the second page that split up the channels was based on weekly. So if you add them up, you're not going to get the same number because uh, a monthly target and a, a monthly uh, range and a weekly range are, are totally different numbers. But safe to say that SABC1 commands the highest viewership of the SABC uh, channels. Uh, it's probably averaging about 60 to 70 percent. Then SABC2 coming in uh, in the middle, and then S3 
at the tail end, uh, probably about uh, 10 to 15% on that side. It does move on a regular basis based on the day of the week, the week of the month and the month of the year as well. So it, it re reflects a universe uh, size at that particular point in time. So I trust that answers that. I'll hand over to Nada from radio. Thank you. Uh, Chair, sorry, my colleague uh, Reggie will go next to discuss the revenue uh, questions. Um, yeah, uh, all protocol uh, observed. Uh, good evening. My name is Reggie Malo. Um, as I'm the GE for uh, for revenue or for sales uh, within the SABC. Uh, I think there's two points that I, I want to talk to uh, that were brought up by the honourable members. Um, the first question centers around the uh, uh, just just a turnaround activity around revenue. Uh, I suppose confidence levels and uh, what informs that. And then the second question is around TV licenses as well, given that uh, we, we've had, um, call it a, a very low response rate uh, for, from certain uh, consumers. So, so from a, a revenue performance perspective, uh, I, I'd like to, to share with you that uh, we've been on ascendancy over the last uh, 12 months, actually. Uh, and most of uh, the last the last uh, two quarters of the year, uh, we've just been on on an up and up. Um, significantly, we've even broken certain in-house records uh, from a sellout perspective, uh, where uh, um, certain uh, spots on you, you couldn't buy a, a, a slots and spots, uh, if you will, uh, on our channels uh, in November during peak. Um, so we've put together some amazing uh, trading uh, models and uh, and we continue to trade to take advantage of uh, ad spend that's av available in the market. And one thing that's uh, probably worth noting uh, as, as, um, as I conclude on this point is that uh, it's extremely difficult to compete with a, a, a competitor that does not need ad spend or ad revenue uh, in the form of of, uh, one of our competitors who uh, who who generates their their revenue based on subscription and not uh, on 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 ad, on advertising. So in advertising, they basically give away advertising. They really really uh, you know cut deep from a, a discounting perspective. Uh, but be that as it may, our audiences remain our uh, our currency, um, and and that's what we pa we package and uh, take to market. Uh, from a TV license uh, perspective, um, it, it's, it's an open secret that uh, consumers have been under pressure uh, in the last uh, in the last fiscal, uh, given the pandemic uh, and and work situation. So so there's been visible pressure in that regard, um, but we're pretty confident uh, going into the new fiscal um, that the various initiatives that we've put in place. Uh, will help us recover um, the the revenue losses. Um, so so we've, we we have two we, we have two big campaigns. The one is obviously above the line to uh, persuade, uh, and I think you've seen some of those elements on on or some of those promotions uh, on TV where 
you, you know, we, we tell stories or success stories of individuals that uh, benefited from um, uh, from SABC and therefore encouraging consumers to buy TV license, uh, uh, to, to pay the TV licenses. Um, at, at, right at the beginning, the minister was also, also partook uh, in that initiative. Uh, it was unfortunate that we had to change tech there, but yes, it, it, th those are some of the softer campaigns. And then secondly, uh, there's other tighter campaigns like uh, SMSs and so forth, which really, really work well. Uh, without getting into too much detail, uh, there's certainly a, we we really bullish about uh, the activities uh, uh, that underpin the review. Not sure if it's on my side. Um, I, I I can't hear anymore. It's not on your side, Chairperson. I also can't hear from my side. Mr. Nguman, are you? Uh, sorry, Chair. It looks like we've, we've lost him. Maybe if I could just conclude on what he was saying. Reggie, are you back? For the sake of time, you, you can proceed. Uh, okay. Thank, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Uh, evening, Honorable Members. Uh, basically, uh, just to conclude, um, the other point that we're going to touch on from Reggie's point of view was the question that was asked uh, in as far as the progress on the turnaround plan. Uh, we can confirm that 74% of all key activities on the turnaround plan have been completed. Uh, being mindful of the fact that this is 17 months uh, into the 36 month Im implementation period, we do believe that we're seeing quite a, a good traction in as far as the implementation of these strategies concerned with a focus on revenue generation. Month on month, uh, we've seen quite significant improvement against target. Uh, also, when it comes to radio, uh, we've also seen quite uh, good growth when it comes to listenership. Um, the, the other point that uh, the CFO has already spoken to is the issue around ensuring that there's stricter internal controls and adherence to governance. So overall, Chair, we can confirm that we're seeing uh, very good progress in terms of the turnaround plan. Uh, the aim now is to ensure we accelerate for the next 17 months uh, of the implementation period of the turnaround. Uh, thank you very much. If I can then hand over to uh, Ms. Makopeni on the news question. Thank you, CEO. Um, good evening, Chair and um, all honourable members and the minister. Um, mine is to conclude the question that was asked around the news channel. Um, part of it has been responded to by the CFO, Yolande. And um, I, I, I want to point to the fact that the, the, the news channel is not just a GSTV, um, uh, is not just carried on GSTV, it's also on DTT. 
So those households that already have um, the set-top boxes have access to the channel already. So the existence of the channel is not necessarily to compete with commercial entities, but it's about providing immediacy and remaining relevant to those audiences that are looking for consuming news content as it happens at, and at any time of the day. So it's primarily serving that purpose. And where the cost is concerned, news gathering for SABC News is for the entire entity and not individual platforms. Um, to the extent that if you look at the economies of scale that we are able to achieve as a result of providing content in the different platforms that we serve, um, the cost of producing news is then spread over all those platforms. We provide news content to the 18 radio stations, and we also have digital platforms, and we have a dedicated sapcnews.com platform that serves a different purpose, but within the same space. We also have the free-to-air channels where we provide news content and the dedicated news channel, which is what we are, we are talking about now. So the cost is, is, is actually spread across all the platforms and not just to the news channel. And in fact, there is no dedicated news gathering um, activity that's directed at the channel alone. It serves all the platforms as, 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 we, as we have them as, as APC News. And the other aspect in terms of the context um, it's that the news inter newsroom integration talks to exactly the issue of dealing with the content that's gathered for the entire entity, but it also addresses the, the shelf life and the footprint of the content that it, it, it doesn't get restricted to the one bulletin a day provision that we see on free-to-air channels. It is correct that the, the heavy consumption in terms of television news television news sits on free to air channels, but it is largely driven by the fact that it's language specific in terms of its treatment. So you are likely to have more audiences on free to air as people seek to consume their news content in their languages of choice. But where the news con channel is concerned, the world has changed. Um, news consumption patterns, patterns have radically changed globally. Um, so we have to go where the audiences are and we have to adjust to their information and news needs uh, and ensure that we are where they are and, and, and we provide the content they, they, they seek to consume at the different times when they do. So its presence, the presence of the news channel also links directly to the need for digital presence because they run concurrently. Whatever you're going to find happening on the news channel, it's also on the go on digital platforms. As, as, as the content gets produced. And it's also a forward-looking approach to have the news channel. So if we were to confine it to the current constraints in terms of finances, we are going to miss the boat because there's a lot that we still have to do to actually get to a level where we can say we have full global presence and we get um, all our global audiences that have access to our content or have interest in accessing our content um, served because we actually have a, a, I mean, a heavy presence of, of, audience, um, of audiences that consume our content outside the country and outside the continent. So it's not merely an issue of addressing the current constraints. We also have to be forward looking in the way we design and, 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 and provide services to our audiences. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Chair. I think that's that's all from our side. I want to hand over to the Honorable Chair of the Committee. 
Chair, we have missed one question just to, to close up on our site. That's the issue of uh, staff optimization. Sorry, please go ahead. Uh, it, thank you very much. I'll straight to it. Yes, Chair, I can confirm that as at the 31st of March, the total number of employees that have exited the system was 621. And of those, uh, 275 is forced retrenchment. Those are the employees that occupied positions that uh, which were redundant. And those are the employees that um, explored the alternatives, but they couldn't be placed. Of the balance, which is 346, are the employees that opted for voluntary severance package. And all this cohort of voluntary refers to all those employees who chose severance as the first option, and they did not avail themselves to participate in any alternative seeking process. We can confirm that majority of the VSP um, applicants were coming from the support functions, um, such as finance and logistics, human resources, corporate affairs and marketing, and they were not coming from the core of our business. Would we be able to achieve and realize the targets as set in that space? We, uh, we are on the right track and we are positive we will be able to reach that target on the side of staff optimization. The annual total guaranteed remuneration package of that cohort that have left, it's just above 457 million. And you will recall, Chair, that we uh, the severance packages were um, voluntary and the severance packages were self-funding. So the total cost of that is just above 164 million. So we will be able to realize uh, the saving in the new cycle in this. Um, we will break even on the fifth month, meaning to recover the cost of severance. And we will then realize the savings of just above 292. Bearing in mind that the second strategy towards that is to implement the no salary increase for the maximum at most of three years. We then anticipated that the 292 savings plus the zero annual increase will ultimately take us to the 600 million. And with the three alternative proposals that we have put on the table, once successfully implemented, we will fully reach the target of the reduction of the salary bill in um, three years of 700 million. Thank you very much, Chair. Sapo? Thank you, Honorable Chair. The Chair of the Board has asked me uh, on account of time to just go straight onto the platform. I'd like to call upon uh, Gerald to go first, then acting COO, uh, sorry, CFO, Lenny, to follow him immediately, and then the acting COO would then follow, then I will conclude. Uh, over to you, Gerald. 
Thank you, CEO. Honorable Chair and members, I'll try to respond to some of the questions. One was how does Kapo do the survey with customers? So we had to think differently around this time. And what we've done is that we use Google Forms where we developed a questionnaire uh, of about 10 questions, which was actually uh, done electronically. We have uh, did send out uh, this link to our customers that uh, received SMSs from Pulse Stuffers to come collect the parcels. We resend them SMSs and ask them to undertake the survey so they can write us. We also put up notices in Pulse offices advertising the addresses so that we could um, get their uh, responses also to the survey. We use the same platform also to undertake our employee satisfaction uh, survey. When it comes to SAPO's security program, we are looking at different types of equipment, uh, which actually started here before last, uh, that we wanted to upgrade and refresh so that we can strengthen uh, the security environment. Uh, what has happened is last year we've had some challenges. We were unable to move with the program. Uh, to date, we've achieved almost about 43% of the overall program completion. We're anticipating to fast-track the balance of the 57% uh, moving forward in this year and next year. When it comes to SAPO's network, the uh, uh, network upgrade has been undertaken by Telcom and its uh, and PCX as the subsidiary to assist SAPO to move to the fiber network. The um, TTT program is a key program for post office. Uh, we had about 850,000 STB kits uh, lying in our warehouses throughout the country. Uh, to date, we've managed to um, uh, issue uh, 50,000 of those units to the newly appointed installers. Uh, we currently have a balance of 810. We're also working with the department to try and prioritize it so that we can increase the number of installations uh, to meet shortened deadlines. Uh, on staff reduction, there was a question on staff reduction. Uh, SAPO in the previous year reduced uh, the overall headcount by 1,871 employees. And this largely rolled on the back of a, a VSP that was offered to employees. So uh, we had about 730 people that lived through that. And because uh, this was mutually agreed with the employees, uh, they, uh, they managed to take up this uh, uh, offer from the organization. We did have a challenge there where we did lose some skills from the organization. and uh, But yes, we found that it did work. It also requires investment so that we can have a future benefit in the reduction of the numbers. Um, moving uh, forward, uh, Honorable Chair, there was one on the year ahead from Apple's annual results presentation. You are correct. We experienced a one-year delay due to the uh, audit being completed late, and therefore the year ahead actually focuses on currently where we are, so that we thought we can just be the committee on what we're looking forward to in this year financial year. It was not the previous financial year. You are correct. Uh, it was uh, from my side. Uh, the last one is that uh, we did have a, uh, a uh, sort of partnership that we wanted to go out on uh, to look at how we can uh, uh, have uh, retailing of set-top boxes at post offices that will account for the unsubsidized market. We embarked on the process to uh, go on this partnership. Uh, then we've uh, had an audit in terms of the process being irregular, and we want to look at in this new year that we can conclude the process so we can still 
allowed us to accommodate uh, the overall DTP uh, uh, migration program. Chair, uh, that's the responses from mine. I'll hand over to Becky Careful, Lady Governor. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. This, I'll provide feedback on two questions that I was asked. The first question was the storage cost for the decoders and set-up boxes. The monthly cost is 5.6 million rand, which is anticipated to be reduced monthly as the stock is issued. The second question was on the social ground, where we reported revenue of 735 million for the 1920 financial year. That is revenue and by SAPO for SAPO's transaction, so that's not post-bank revenue. So that revenue will remain with SAPO. Thank you, Chair. Um, uh, thank you, uh, Chairperson and um, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. My name is Uswan Tsigeni. I'm the acting um, COO. Uh, from my side, uh, I will respond to um, a couple of the operational questions that were asked. Uh, starting with the questions that came from uh, Honorable Fagu in, in terms of um, what we, we plan to do in terms of uh, the, the SLA uh, function and, and how we managed uh, to, to increase it to 89%. Um, there, uh, we, we, we used a lot of, we automated uh, some of the services, especially in the hybrid mail part of things. Uh, which allowed us to, to get to that point. And um, we focused a lot at, at clearing um, uh, backlogs and also we focused on the transport component of, of the service. Um, there was also a question with regards to um, the MVL improvement. Uh, what, what we plan to do and what we've already done is to add more MVL machinery in, in the busy offices, which we've already identified and handed um, over to the Department of Transport um, and the respective regions have engaged on it. We've also, we, we've also asked them to train additional staff so, so that um, there's more than just two people that are able to dispense uh, on the MVL side of things. Uh, we've given them the specific figures and uh, we are working with them towards getting more machinery and also replacing stolen machinery uh, timelessly because that also adds to some of the challenges that come through. There was also a question in terms of what are we doing in terms of um, queue management. For queue management, um, we, 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 we work closely with SASA and they've assisted, assisted us a lot in the sense that we've got separate grant days, which we were able to implement during um, the, the COVID uh, shutdown uh, from May last year, and, and it improved the queue management quite significantly. And with regards to um, the SRD, with the advent of SRD, we, we then introduced a separate queues so that as you come to the municipality, you are able to do normal day-to-day -day transactions, which is separate from the SRD queue. And, and within the SRD environment, uh, we've also further differentiated the payment days in line with the last three digits of their ID numbers. Over and above that, there's a messaging service that comes through to the beneficiaries that tells them 
um, based on the area where you registered and uh, based on the, there's also a system that we've put through in collaboration with CETA where the beneficiary is now able to register which uh, branch they would want to use. This assists with uh, uh, planning purposes and it also assists with the queue management. So with all these inputs, um, the, 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 the queues have improved, but further to that, we are collaborating with CETA in terms of looking at kiosks as well as geolocation of uh, the beneficiary cell phones so that we are able to, to plan um, much better. There are other um, functionalities uh, that we've partnered on with, with CETA. Uh, it's the IT infrastructure. Uh, we've also partnered on e-services services and mainly at e-complaints and uh, the e electronic document delivery system, uh, as well as grant notification so that we are better enabled to uh, engage directly with um, beneficiaries should there be any messaging that is required. So this too will be assisting with the queue issues that we have. We've also collaborated with them with the queue management systems uh, data analysis and data mining, as well as the international financial uh, system that the postal uh, union uses. Uh, in so far as um, the landlord rental payment, um, this I will link to the questions that were asked by uh, Honourable Mackenzie. Um, in terms of uh, the offices that we currently that are currently unpaid. There's plus minus uh, 11 uh, with a total uh, amount of plus minus 4 million. Um, and going back and, and, and just moving on to the questions that were asked by Honorable McKenzie uh, in terms of uh, the USO, there's a USO question linked uh, asking how, how much does it cost to maintain each branch? This is a very, is not a simple question to ask because it varies. Um, it varies from branch to branch, but I'll just articulate the components that lead to the, the cost of a branch. Depending, depending, the first part is the ownership. It depends on whether we own it or rent it. And the rental varies from area to area and depending on the size of the branch. Um, so we would need to have a specific branch to be able to tell you what exactly, but we do have those figures um, at branch level. Um, so where it's support owned, we will then include the rates and taxes that comes with that. Um, and when it's a rental, we put the rent. And then the second factor we look at is utilities in terms of electricity and water, sewer, and so on. Um, that would add to the cost as well as equipment. In some areas, we would be leasing equipment out, out in, out in, like uh, photocopying machines. In other areas, we, we own all the equipment. And it's also linked to staff staff numbers and the experience of the staff so it depends uh, on, 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 on the staff that is there. So all that then adds to the total number of a particular branch in terms of cost. Um, and then the, there was a question around um, how the post office would be able to, to compete. Generally what we are looking at in terms of competition is um, the, it's automation uh, in, within our mail centers, uh, strengthening of the last mile, 
um, lack, reskilling of our staff with and, and, and moving some of the services in-house that we are currently outsourcing, um, such as your facilities management and so on. Um, the, the next question that I have here is, um, uh, is the CFG component, uh, how we will be able to do it without CFG. We currently have a speed services uh, that already covers this uh, part of the space. This is over and above the, the normal um, post delivery service that we have, which I've referred to as the last mile. Um, so we do have an overnight service in terms of courier. We've got uh, economy service, and we also have a freight, a freight uh, business to business service uh, that covers. And all of these, the first one is a 24 hours, 24 hour service. Economy is a 48-hour service. Freight is five to seven days service. Um, so, so that we do have uh, that part in 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 the establishment. Um, there's also a question in terms of um, oh yeah, linked to it is also the fact that we 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 are engaging our staff. So we are trying to. Um, motivate our staff. We've brought in some gamification in the process and we, we are engaging them day to day in terms of what we are doing, what is happening and why. Um, and we've set up uh, smaller um, circles within the operations team so that they are able to articulate um, what is happening within the institution. So communication is something that we've invested a lot in, uh, in terms of time, and we will be focusing a lot on change management. We are looking at um, uh, uh, discipline enforcement, just adhering to the normal processes and rules of the post office, as well as an extringent performance management, um, which is part of that. Um, just looking at my notes. Okay, the other question is, what do you do with those that are post offices that are closed and um, the stuff inside? In most instances, we, we engage with the landlords. And so far, um, depending on what is uh, critical in that particular post office. So if it's something that is uh, critical, we are able to motivate uh, to the landlord and, and get some of the things out of there. In other situations, it's a payment scenario. And in some situations, because we do have a network distribution strategy in the post office, so some of the, some of the uh, uh, forced closures, we, we do have a relocation strategy that we are concurrently working on. And um, we, we, we do that as well. Um, yeah, I think this brings me to the end of my particular responses. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Zuki. Uh, in closing from our side, um, honorable members, uh, I just wanted to say that uh, as the post office, we've lost uh, almost 50% of our traditional mail revenue. And uh, this is due to exogenous factors, including uh, the technological advancement, but also the COVID-19 did have an effect on this. Uh, so uh, headcount then becomes one of our Achilles heels because it remains constant, even though we've lost a lot of money. Uh, then in terms of what uh, Honorable Faku had asked earlier about 
timeframes for appointments. Uh, we are prioritizing uh, very critical appointments, and we believe that by the end of quarter two, we would have done a few. But we are also quite careful because on the basis of the business case that we put on the table, we know that we will need differently skilled people and we will also need people to be uh, not just to add you know warm bodies into the system so we are quite circumspect about how it is that we uh, onboard uh, skills into the um, the company the other thing i wanted to talk about was the question asked by honorable mackenzie where he wanted to understand what attracted me uh, to this position uh, for me, the one word response would be patriotism. Uh, and also, it's just an opportunity to serve my country. That's why I decided to take this position. I was well aware of the problems besetting the post office. Uh, but, but, but on the business side of things, much as there's lots of problems within the post office, I see a lot more opportunities uh, for us to turn things around. And incidentally, these opportunities that we see are the very same ones that are seen by the private, set, the private sector. And therefore, I, I already weighed my options. I do know that I kind of flew into the eye of the storm, uh, but at least my eyes were wide open. In terms of going back to basics, I really want to agree with you, Mr. McKenzie, uh, Honorable McKenzie. This is exactly what we're saying, just deliver. That's what we are busy uh, talking to the people about. We also understand that support does not exist in and of itself. Uh, it exists to serve this nation. It exists for the customer. And that's why we are very obsessed with customer service. Uh, there are some uh, quick wins that we've won. Uh, there are people who are begin, begin, beginning to be happy with our service, but I mean, it's going to be a long way because it also talks to culture. It talks to all sorts of other things that we all understand um, that we set an organization that has gone as far down as it has. But I must hasten to add that the rot and the demise of, of SAPO, or should I call it the decline, uh, did not happen overnight. It, it has been a long time coming. And it's going to take us a whole lot longer time to turn things around. The, the matter of the zero to one kilogram parcels uh, in terms of distribution is before the courts. And I think it would be very in, inappropriate of us to ventilate such matters here while the courts are busy. So respectfully, I'd like not to respond to the detail of that question. And as a last comment, uh, Mr. Chair, I'd like to just say this. In any business scenario, it would be an anomaly for a group or even a, a company to, to create value in a subsidiary. But then when the separation happens, uh, there's no compensation. And, and sometimes that's what we'd like to leave as a, as a point to think about as this committee, and that would be the support uh, responses. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Thank you, um, Sapo. <clears throat> Maybe I just want to check if the Minister uh, would still want to come back. Uh, Honorable McKenzie, I want to propose probably how we need to go forward. Uh, looking at the time for those questions that may have not been adequately responded to if members feel that way. But I do see your hand, maybe before I give to the minister, just to check whether uh, 
it's a matter I wanted to raise now or it's a, an earlier one. Um, thank you, Chairperson. There's just a, a couple of questions which haven't been answered and then one I need to interrogate directly. So um, perhaps before we conclude or wrap up, would you give me, would you give me a second bite, Chair? I, I won't be long. I'll be three minutes. Um, I, I just want to check, uh, as I say, if the minister would want to close any, any gap on the questions uh, asked, but if she's satisfied, I'll just check. Uh, how many members uh, would want to follow up? How many members would want to follow up? And maybe we can agree on on how we would need to uh, take matters forward. Uh, I understand your request, Honorable McKenzie. But if I may just check this so that uh, we, we can make a ruling on how we need to move forward. Uh, Honorable Minister, just wanted to check if uh, you would want to come in at this point or you are satisfied with uh, what you've, you've already communicated to the committee. Thanks, Chair. Um, as I said, from my side, in terms of the strategic uh, issues that were raised, uh, I'm satisfied. And of course, at the operational level, as they are presenting based on the work they do, I, I am satisfied. Thank you so much. Okay, um, I, I see your hand, Honorable Kubeka, too. Uh, I'm not sure if you also wanted to raise the same matter, Honorable McKenzie, would have raised of trying to follow up. Uh, Honorable Kubeka, or is it an area uh, hand? Uh, yes, Chair, I was trying to make a follow up, but I can hear that as you are saying the time. So uh, probably, uh, can I just suggest to say maybe to those questions that maybe I want to make a follow up, can maybe those uh, entity who's relevant for, for, for the question, maybe if you can respond, maybe in black and white uh, 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 chair. Thanks. Yeah. Honorable McKenzie and Honorable Kubeka, um, I just wanted to test if uh, members, you, you would agree to this. I think partly Honorable Kubeka is speaking to it. Uh, that indeed there may be questions that would have not been responded to uh, adequately as members would want, whether you talk uh, uh, must carry uh, regulations, whether you talk uh, uh, sporting rights, whether you talk about uh, the assets and, and, and the point that relates to giving comfort on whether the law uh, is being followed just to assist us to respond properly in public, um, as well as uh, the point raised uh, on, on SAPO, be it on its uh, annual report, and so on. And, and there will be probably difference of opinion on that. Uh, that it may help uh, Honorable McKenzie, uh, and it's what I want to suggest, uh, that it may help to give yourselves an opportunity just to state it uh, in writing on the questions that would have not been answered and that would demand uh, the response on those questions in writing. And if not satisfied, I think the committee uh, still reserves the right to uh, convene uh, the entities concerned 
uh, to further interrogate. Uh, I'm just also looking at the point that would have set up the session until uh, nine o'clock uh, as per the slot that we have been given. Uh, I also want uh, to ensure that our engagements still remain uh, qualitative, um, understanding that you've been engaging throughout. Uh, I must uh, also be sympathetic to yourselves in that regard. So, so this is the, the, the suggestion, Honorable McKenzie, that once you've asked those questions, they have to be responded to. And if uh, dissatisfied, we may have to follow up uh, again uh, when we could have reduced them to writing and get written responses, which we can make public as the committee, um, because South Africans would want to know the responses uh, to such questions. Uh, as we were to make follow-ups. So, so this is what I would uh, want to suggest to both of you, Honorable McKenzie and Honorable Kubega. Not sure if I'm, I'm meeting uh, your requirements uh, given the time. Um, uh, Honorable McKenzie, your hand is uh, still up. It is. Thank, thank you very much, Chairperson. You know, Chair, we've been waiting for the South African Post Office to appear before this committee for a, a year and a half, maybe longer. Um, now that they're here, I, I, you know, if we're prepared to sit for MDDA interviews until two o'clock in the morning, I'm sure the South African Post Office can provide a little bit of clarity to one or two questions that I asked that they didn't answer. So that's, that's what I'm looking for. So uh, as I understand you, Chairperson, you're going to allow me to pose my questions and then they will answer them in writing. Is that correct? Because there's one question that I need to pose that I need an answer now. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a matter of substantial fact, um, but certainly the others, I'm, I'm happy to work that way. Is that how you want to do it, Chairperson? Um, as I said, I don't want to use the point that I'm making a ruling. That's why I started by uh, suggesting that there are a number of questions that may need to be responded to, and that is the committee we may want to get those also in writing and come back to uh, engage them. And, and I'm sure uh, the entities would commit uh, to coming before the committee with an understanding that it would be a continuation of the engagement based on presentations they've already made uh, to the committee. Um, and, and that's what members are trying uh, to interrogate, but respecting the fact that uh, we, may, we, we may have to look at the quality of the engagements um, uh, going forward, uh, looking at, uh, at the time. So, so I'm just saying there may be a number of members who would say, I have not been adequately uh, answered uh, in this regard. So that's that's really the proposal, Honorable McKenzie, is that you may ask those questions. They may not be responded to satisfaction like in the first one, uh, and then had to make follow-ups again. Um, so, so I'm just um, humbly um, requesting, as I say, I don't want to say I'm ruling, um, because that's not how we have conducted our, our business. We try and ensure that there's enough space for engagement. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, Honorable uh, McKenzie are persuaded uh, on that. Um, and, and I'm sure the minister could also commit that uh, at least they get back 
on the specific matter already presented before us. Uh, Honorable Kubeka, you'll be last because I've asked both of you now. I, I've, I'm seeing Honorable Fandam interjecting uh, in between. Uh, so I'm not sure what wants, she wants to to raise, uh, but Honorable Kubega, I note you so that you come as, as last. And then, then I will have to make a relief. Thanks, Chair. Thanks, Chair. I would just like to speak in support of Honorable Mackenzie. This is not the first time it's happened to him regarding SAPO. Um, as we all know, it's an issue he's very passionate about. And I think everyone was moved um, in the manner in which he addressed this issue. It's clearly one that he cares very deeply about. And the, he gets a lot of correspondence from the public about SAPO. But at every meeting, his questions aren't answered. And then there's a request that the, he, must just res, he must just wait for the opportunity for written questions. I think the system in which parliament is set up is that we can submit written questions, which is that one process. And then there's committee where we're allowed to engage in thorough debates and have all our questions answered. And I would request that uh, Honorable McKenzie, please be provided with the opportunity because he said very clearly that there's one very, there's one question he would really like answered. But I think generally, um, to be fair, um, SAPO doesn't come around these parts much and Honorable McKenzie does not get to get to the quest- answers to the questions from um, all our constituents who write to him about the post office because they know uh, Postman Cam uh, <laughs> is the guy dealing with matters of the, uh, the post office. So could he please, Chairperson, be indulged to you? I think it's, it's fair, given the unfairness in the past. Thanks, Chair. Honorable Kubeka, as I said, I would want to hold on, on the matter. But Honorable McKenzie, <laughs> your hand is still up. As I said, I was still persuading you. Uh, persuading. And, and I, I, I can't say you don't want to get persuaded. Uh, Honorable Kubeka. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, Chair, uh, let me try to explain to say, indeed, all of us as a concern, and I hope that on the side of support, support to us, all of us, especially because it, 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 it cater for all uh, uh, different uh, kinds of people. Uh, so indeed, all of us, we are taking a sapo as a, 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 as a silver cup on our side. Uh, no one is against uh, with those questions that uh, Honorable McKenzie is going to ask, but I was saying, because mine, it was going to on the side of SAPC. It was just a proposal, uh, seeing that at the time, now if I can check, I'm sure it's 10 o'clock at the moment. So it was not on the issue of saying maybe we don't want uh, Honorable McKenzie to to ask a question. That is why I was making that proposal to say, can I, uh, can we have that chance maybe to follow up with those uh, uh, written questions, Chair? Thanks. Thanks, Honorable Kubeka. Honorable McKenzie, you seem to be... Thank you, Chairperson. Um, you know, uh, 
I asked very specific questions. The security at the branches, what was that? How many branches? Um, who supplied the fiber network? I think that was answered for me. Um, intention to acquire funding, what funding? I'm, I'm still completely unclear as to how this, I was looking for a warm feeling, a fuzzy feeling as to how the SAPA was going to be financially sustainable. The only thing that was put on the table was, was compensation for the post bank. And if I look at the balance sheet, I think we're looking about three and a half billion, which barely covers two years loss making. So I wanted to know how this loss making insolvent post office and its board of directors are gonna justify running an insolvent company with no funding. So, so that was that question, but I'm happy to leave it there. Chairperson, the, the one that really concerns me and the one I really need an answer from is um, uh, the one Ms. Ntsikeni uh, uh, gave you when I asked how many post offices were- well, In essence, there. Honorable McKenzie, you are proceeding to ask the question. Uh, it's, it's Chairperson, it's I, I the thought, one, I thought we were the one question- no, the one question that was, I'm going to leave all the other questions. It's fine. I'll, I'll put them in as written questions. But the one question Ms. Nsikeni answered, I asked her how many post offices had been closed for non-payment of rent. She said 11, and the amount outstanding was 4 million rand. Six weeks ago, I got an aged analysis from, from the post office in response to a written question that shows the post office owes 129 oh. million rand for post office rent um, going back... Uh, it's over 120 days. The total was 120 million. 120 days plus is um, 51 million. So, you know, and and uh, 800 post offices. So, so either Ms. Ntsikeni's information is wrong, or or she's lying to Parliament. And 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 I would hate to think it would be the latter. So I just need some clarity on that, Chairperson. What does she mean when she says 11 post offices? and 4 million rand owed, because I'm in possession of information supplied by the department that tells me something completely different. And I was looking for an update in that and an improvement in that figure. So if she can confirm that that figure of 11 and 4 million rand is accurate, that's all I need. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you for your indulgence, colleagues, as well. I'm not sure whether McKinsey was working on me. <laughs> no, uh, it was Then I get uh, muted. Uh, I hope uh, you're not trying your luck uh, this late in the evening. <clears throat> As I said, uh, Honorable McKinsey, uh, you've, you've put this point out, not uh, insist on them answering unless uh, they want to clarify this thing about a written response received. Uh, differing from the response that's given now or an update uh, of some sort. Uh, as, as I said, they, they are free to respond to that uh, if, if they, they think it's, they have got the, the facts to, to give to the contrary now to clear the public perception that may be created on the responses received. Otherwise, uh, I wanted to, as I said, Sapo, you can indicate uh, if if that point you wanted to clarify or, or not, given that you've already responded uh, in writing and this contradiction. I, I think that's the only reason I've listened to it, because then it affects the ruling we're trying to make of reducing to writing and getting re written responses. I'm not sure if you want to respond to that, 
but uh, I think going forward, we we may just ask uh, for intelligence uh, minister and um, the entities uh, that we may want to come back once we've received uh, uh, answers in writing um, and, and, and make proposals uh, to come back just to complete the discussion um, in, in the interest uh, of, of, of South Africans uh, that we do that. And, and that matters could be, could be cleared, but also empower members to, to be able to respond uh, when these questions that would have asked and not responded to, uh, that we can be able to respond to constituencies that that we represent. So, so that maybe a discussion would want to have with yourselves uh, uh, outside of uh, what we could deal with uh, this morning. So, I'm I'm, I'm just uh, checking there. I saw um, a hand. From Sapo, I saw a hand. Ms. Nsike, the COO will respond, Chair. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Um, at the time we received the question from um, Honorable Mackenzie, we gave him feedback as it was at the time. And we indicated in the response that the, the thing is, the figures and, and, and the closures vary every day. So at that time, we, we, we gave a total figure and it was a cumulative figure. His question today was how many offices are closed tonight, today, due to rental? And the feedback I gave him is the feedback I, I got from my team saying it's 16 offices. And the question was, how many now and what's the outstanding amount? So the outstanding amount is the 16. It's, it's for the 16 that are currently closed now. So it's not a cumulative figure. It's, it's, it's what we need to pay to open now. I, I thought maybe let me explain that. And tomorrow it could change because another landlord could close one or two or we don't know. Um, and an invoice could come through, but the figures I've given is is is, is what I've been given as well as of as of tonight. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, again. I, I I think uh, Honourable Mackenzie, that matter is now clarified that it, the figures will change and be updated from uh, time to time. And as I said, I was only uh, pending because you've received uh, an answer to a written question and we have asked that members must write and they will receive in black and white if there's contradiction in figures and we can't explain. Uh, it may question credibility of the information received, but I think uh, SAPO has now clarified that the figures would, would change uh, depending on what happens on, on a particular day. But it doesn't write off the point that members could still send uh, the questions so that they are coordinated through the committee support. And from those questions, make a determination on whether there's satisfaction in the responses and that we can uh, look at convening uh, again 
to look at uh, uh, those responses. Uh, can we attend a meeting at that point, uh, uh, honorable members? I'm not giving uh, any new hand now. Uh, I take it that the hands that are up uh, on my side are those that were raised earlier on. Uh, not that you want to reopen a discussion. Uh, the meeting, therefore, is officially. Uh, yes, Chair. Are you raising your hand again? Oh. Just no, it's just that there's a mic that's open and and there's. Uh, okay, so so that's oh, good. I was saying good night. Okay, thank you. Then the meeting is official agenda. No, no, we don't want you, to go. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you, Chair. Night, chair. <laughs> Night, colleagues. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Bye. I'm going to dream about these unanswered questions. They're going to resonate in my mind the whole night. Good night, <laughs> Chair. <laughs> no, for 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 eight honourable Mackenzie, it, it could really keep uh, you busy. <laughs> uh, to keep yeah, you, are, you, you are so charming. You can you can just pull the sting from my tail with one smile. Good night, sir. I wish you a good night.